The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Discovering the Indies, a independent wrestling history podcast. I'm Chris Go, joined alongside Jonathan Ash. Hello. First, I want to thank you guys for listening to us on the BICBP Radio Network, and uh, we got a fun show for you as we are talking about XPW once again. Yes, this is part two of maybe two parts, three parts. We don't know our deep dive into XPW. Uh, first off, I want to thank everybody who listened to last month. Uh, we actually had four thousand uh, unique listeners. Uh, the audience keeps growing. We appreciate it. I know a lot of you have telling other people, hey, listen to this show. It's pretty cool. And thank you guys. We really, really appreciate uh, that support um, from, you know, from wrestlers, from people in the wrestling podcast industry, as well as uh, we're getting uh, uh, support from the fans, um, wrestling fans. So we really want to thank everybody who has been listening uh, so far. Um, where we left off with XPW, and we'll kind of get right into that. Where we left off with XPW was we start, started talking about the beginning why it started and we talked about uh things such as the death matches you know the bed of nails and light tubes and you know this is stuff that was going on in the country but i think xpw kind of glorified it and really took it from the backyard into um the the sports arena into the professional wrestling game in a large you know uh, landscape uh, we did talk about though maybe you know i mean we did say the king of the death match looks like it was invented by adobe itself but then not used again until after xpw uh started using it um so we we talked about that we talked about chris candino under wcw contract working for xpw at least one show but if not more we were trying to figure out details on that but uh that was really interesting uh we we talked about rob black deciding to start running the la sports arena uh and uh 10,000 seat la sports arena 16,000. 16,000. Yeah. 10,000 10, would have still been around. 16,000 yeah. seat LA Sports Arena. And they were drawn around 1,100, 1,200. And then we talked about the incident, uh, ECW incident, Heat Wave 2000, where XPW talent showed up, caused a commotion. There was a little bit of physical activity. And then to finish it off on our last episode, uh, when XPW ran in Los Angeles, there was paranoia as they were afraid that. Uh, ECW fans were going to show up and cause a commotion, and they were trying to give out anti-ECW and anti-Hayman signs to their crowd. Very innovative for their time, <laughs> you would say. Uh, and then and no, uh, no one trashed Heyman back then. And with the 1100 heavily paper draw, they've decided that that is the end of the LA Sports Arena shows, and they're going to move to the smaller, much smaller Shrine Expo Hall. But how small is that hall? Uh. I, I I did a search shrine auditorium and expo hall still around. Um, it seems to be it's it's pretty famous. Uh, there's been uh, the Academy Awards have been held there. Academy of Country Music Awards, VH1 Music Awards, MTV Movie Music Awards. Pretty decent venue. Uh, their capacity is sixty three hundred. So you go from 
running a 16,000 seat arena, which obviously you're going to downgrade. You're like, oh, this is too big. We got to downgrade. So you downgrade to a 6,300 seat building when you're barely breaking a thousand. Still seems like overkill. Yeah, I mean, they should have. We talked about this on the first show, you know, without doing heavily research. I know that L.A. has a lot of cool small music venues. And what I mean by small, they fit like two, three, four thousand. Like, you know, you get like a two thousand seat music venue and that's what you needed for this. And I think aesthetic wise, it would have worked for what you were going for with XPW. So, I mean, I get it. Rob Black had big dreams and big aspirations and he must have knew someone at the L.A. Sports Arena. But uh, it, it and then even with the shrine, I mean, there it's a big, big risk. I think a lot of it has to do with just like the name value of being like making making XPW look big league that you're running this famous building. So like I could I could definitely see that. Like I've known wrestling feds over the years that have ran certain venues just because of the name value. And you know what? Some of the stuff that XPW did. And we'll get into them more, but they put on a an image that they were maybe bigger than what they were on a landscape of professional wrestling to the common fan and common person. Uh, when I was posting all our, uh, you know, our link for our podcast or uh, Facebook groups, a fan told me, well, they weren't an independent. They, they had contracts and this and that. I'm like. There's independents out there that give people contracts. They are. Dave Sapolsky. <laughs> Was giving people contracts. Still, people on Evolve were able to work independence. There's, like, there's been independent feds as recently as two years ago in Western New York that trying to give out contracts that give out contracts for twenty dollar paydays. Yeah, they exist, you know. And then we're not saying Rob Black was paying people twenty dollars, but like you can be an independent with contracts. Yes, he had the DVD deal. He was trying to get a major TV deal, but at the end of the day, it's an independent. So that little debate we have with that guy. uh this qualifies as we've had no other complaints. XPW is an independent, uh, but that's one of the things XPW did. They made people think that it was bigger. It's you know what I can equate it well, to. ECW was the same way. ECW had that same feel. I can equate it to, if in most recent memory, Global Force. Yeah, at the end of the day, they just ran ba- like baseball shows that like. Me and you could run if we had like a nice budget and just got a bunch of legends. Yeah, like they, you know, like it, you know, it, it's, it's that it, they perspect they made you think that they were a lot bigger than what they were, which I make credit to it. That's good marketing. Um, but uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll get right into the Observer, and we got some notes from August fourteenth. Extra, uh, the show Extra ran a feature on XBW on August second. It claimed XBW packs arenas around the country, which is a good one. This is from Dave. Around the country. Um, uh, basically, a, a, a negative piece though, claiming that XBW leads kids to do backyard wrestling where they could get hurt, and and talked about the porn stars involved and saying it's banned in New Jersey. UWF is also looking for some lucha libre wrestlers. Um, weird that that was in his note <laughs> with that. <laughs> I probably could have left that out, but, uh, so let's talk about this. Cause this is interesting. Cause this is 2000. This is the attitude era. This is when media and wrestling for the most part is pretty positive. Um, you're seeing a lot of WWE and WCW and even ECW stars like pop up in TV shows and sitcoms and stuff like that. And you're, uh, seeing some good documentary pieces and all that, but 
then it does turn into, you know, we had the wrestling deaths, you know, like the backyards and the and, and, and kids messing around. And the problem with this piece from Extra is a couple things. First off, backyard wrestling was established before XBW. And I don't think XBW had the, you know, uh, reach to get all these kids across America backyard wrestling. It was ECW and it was WWF and WCW. Yeah. I, as a kid, a backyard wrestler, Chris Jericho is who I mimicked. Well, backyard wrestling kind of evolved from, from like, even back in the 70s, kids were backyard wrestling, but it was more, they weren't using weapons. It was just mimicking what you saw on TV. And then it turned into, like, the late 90s, they're still mimicking stuff. Kids are still mimicking stuff they see on TV. It's just, at that point, they were watching weapon matches. And then being banned in New Jersey... I don't know if that's even factual. I don't know when death matches started. I, I think death matches were not allowed in Jersey at this time. Maybe that's why. I mean, technically, death matches are still not allowed in Jersey. <laughs> like, I guess. But we're like going to go see death match wrestling. Go to Jersey. It, you're, it, as far as I'm familiar with the Jersey Athletic Commission rules, you don't need a license. You don't need an athletic license. Or promoter's license to run pro wrestling shows, but if you're going to run a death match fed, you need a license and you need to be uh, regulated. But the state doesn't look at what fed is technically a death match fed and doesn't doesn't really enforce that. So every fed just runs as a wrestling fed. Um. So yeah, so it, it's very interesting. Uh, I mean, good for XBW. I mean, any press is good press, right? I mean, extra at the time, you know, it was almost as big as entertainment tonight and stuff like that. So, you know, syndication, uh, you know, but the crowd that's watching that is like middle aged people, people waiting for their primetime, can't miss, you know, CSI or whatever. I mean, at that time, it was probably just law and order, but yeah. (laughs) Um, Just LA law. LA law. Uh, They're just waiting, like they're flipping the channels during a commercial break on Wheel of Fortune. But, like, I think. Like stuff like that hurts wrestling more. I you say like any publicity is good publicity, but like, yeah, it's not the target demographic. It just gets people. It just opens the eyes of people that don't know anything about wrestling. It it exposes them to the bad elements. So now they're telling their friends. They're making sure their kids aren't watching it. They're making sure their nieces and nephews are not watching it. It. It furthers a very small bad element of the business. And it's sort of like the same thing with the early 90s with the steroid trial and the sex abuse scandals yeah. in WWE. That stuff didn't define the business, but it ended up... Donahue and yeah, all that, yeah. It's because all of these talk shows of people that don't watch wrestling, that know anything about wrestling, just got a bad taste of wrestling because of the tabloid TV shows. I mean, and even with the Chris Benoit incident, I mean, that's all Nancy Grace talked about for three weeks on her show. Yeah, and people that didn't understand anything about wrestling just took that and just it just hurt the business, and it's it the business got hurt by people that don't even watch the business, don't even watch wrestling. Um, so uh, from uh, the Observer, August twenty eighth, two thousand, uh, Atushi Onina's latest retirement match will be September twenty fourth at Differiaki, saying that before he retires, he wants to do an explosive barbed wire match in Los Angeles presumably for XBW, although we've also heard October is a possible uh, timetable for that one taking place. And also from that same observer, um, the, the going over DVD releases, uh, uh, 
that uh, Juggalo Championship Wrestling was number eight on, I'm sorry, the VHS charts, and number 13 plus uh, XPW uh, uh, was XPW, and they debuted a second video at number 14, and then WWE had 14 of the top 20. So they had two in there. So interesting. Two XBW videos, a Juggalo Championship Wrestling video popped up. I think we already talked no about No WCW. <laughs> we talked about it. Like, WCW yeah. really didn't push uh, VHS uh, VHS sales, which is still mind-boggling because you're an entertainment company. Which like, is, Turner Home Entertainment. Th- this isn't a WCW show, but has Bischoff ever been asked about that? Uh, I've. He probably just. I'm sure he has. Just says it's Turner Home Entertainment and dropped the ball. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he's passed the buck and blamed Turner Home Entertainment, which I'm sure, like, I'm sure there's some truth to it. Um, because just just reading parts of the Nitro book, it's pretty evident WCW just didn't have their shit together. But, um, yeah, it just it's still to this day mind boggling of why an entertainment company sh- shouldn't have had. A VHS industry, VHS division, but also with like ECW too. Like we talked, I think we talked about that the last show where uh, ECW was big with our video and with tape traders independently, but they weren't in FYE, they weren't in Walmart, like so they're not on this list. And I, this list could be skewed because it's hard to. It's hard to look at, like, was XPW more successful than ECW with selling VHS tapes because XPW's numbers were tracked while ECW's was pretty much private between Feinstein and Gabe? Yeah. uh, I mean, ECW's another one, though, like, that just... I think selling most of the rights to Feinstein was kind of a a bad decision move on Paul where he could have probably maximized that himself, put somebody in place and, you know, or have Feinstein work he, for him. He could have made, yeah, he he probably could have made some money. I don't know if it would have made a difference in the grand scheme of things with the way the company went under, but it could have been a re- revenue generator. Uh, we got a note from September 4th, 2000 here in the Observer. Uh, there were no legal charges filed by either side stemming from the incident with XPW at the Heat Wave pay-per-view. I mean... That's kind of surprising Heyman didn't try to sue. I mean, it's 100% on Rob Black for, the, for everything. Yeah. Like, Heyman didn't do anything. But uh, Heyman probably knew there wasn't really that much money there to get. You know, so. For a guy that's been sued as much as him. Like, yeah, he's probably like, yeah, I'm not going to bother. Oh. I, don't think, I think we looked up. He didn't run again. They didn't run the West Coast again no. after that. So, him, it was probably like, it's it. not worth it. Yeah. Uh, September 11, 2000, XBW... Uh, Dave reports XPW scraped, scrapped the planned September 8th TV taping because they haven't found a new venue after leaving the massive Los Angeles sports arena. XPW is claiming that they'll purchase a new 2,500 to 3,000-seat arena. Los Angeles says it's home base to run live shows every other week, as well as house its training school. They will also start running in cities like San Jose, Modesto, San Diego, and the Inland Empire. In the sports rec video charts, XBW's second video called The Stream Wrestling was number 10, and its first video was number 15, and I think that might be chalked up to confusion in the marketplace from people thinking they're ECW videos, while the ICP Juggler video was number 12. But then WF has 13 in the top 20. Extreme with an X. Yep. As Extreme Wrestling. So I could see some confusion with that. Um, buying their own arena, hush! <laughs> uh 
This like a, a month, I, a month later, everything falls apart. This is why I, I, Rob Black was great at presenting that an image that they were bigger than what they were. And right here, like people are really thinking they're trying to buy a three thousand seat, like buying an arena, not like renting. Buying. I mean, technically, that could be like a small old, old Rite Aid building. But still, that's that's seven figures. And then you're also going to go pretty much on a little tour through California. I mean, all those locations are not like what San Jose and Modesto a few hours away. San Diego's somewhat close. Inland Empire is kind of close. So like it's still southern and central California. I think San Jose was thrown in there just so Meltzer would report it. (laughs) Possibly. So, yeah. Um I th- I think stuff like this, Rob Black gets a lot more credit because he's not seen as just a, any regular indie promoter because he's a vi- even though it's a porn industry, he's a viable he's a viable businessman. So people might have took claims like this like worth more than just a grain of salt because oh, this guy is an actual businessman, so he must have money to throw into this, right? Well, and and he and here is the thing about Rob Black, which differs him from a lot of the guys that were that we've talked about on the show, the Dale Gangers, the Roland Alexanders, the, the Bruce Hart's. Like the difference is, is he did have money. How much money that is, we don't know. But like, he had more money than probably any independent wrestling promoter in that country, in the country at the time. I, I would imagine. You know, we're not counting. I mean, him probably didn't have his money at this point, but, <laughs> but, but you know, we're, we're not counting ECW, WCW, WWE. Like, think of, for indie, yeah. Look at the two that look at two thousand. Who? What other indie promoter may have more money than him? You know, I mean, Corluzo did okay, but he didn't make money like that. Like, yeah, he didn't make adult, well, adult entertainment money. Yeah, Rob Black didn't make money from wrestling, but he was making yes, money in other ventures. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he so. When you look at like other people who've had like their entire lives in wrestling, basically from like guys like Daryl Gagner and Bruce Hart and even Roland Alexander, who's grew up in the business, like yeah, they that was their main source of income yeah. was wrestling. Like they didn't have these side hustles or full time jobs in the aspect of Rob Black. Exactly. Yeah, like if you approach an independent wrestler, I mean, if you if you're an independent wrestling promoter and you approach people about a television deal or buying an arena, or wherever it may be, that that network or that realtor or whatever, they're going to ask you questions about your income. They're going to ask who, what you do. Oh, yeah, I run this independent wrestling promotion. Well, what are you doing inside? Oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a part-time, uh, you know, cashier, <laughs> you know, at the Piggly Wiggly. Like, I, w- I work at a call center. Like, it's just basic yeah, stuff. Like, if you go in and say, what do you do for a living? Oh, I own a series, like, I own a series of townhouses or i own a yeah. you know i own real estate or i own a porn of a porn empire like whatever it could be that's, like and, it means a lot more and that's what people like listen you know i think people look at adult entertainment industry differently now than they did 2000 in the aspect of like it's so available now anybody could do it like you know in, in the aspect of there's so much more amateur porn it looks more professional and what, what, this isn't an adult entertainment show, just, but what I'm saying is, like, put it in the time scheme. It's 2000. There isn't many people out there. And then we made the correlation that he worked with Vivid. Vivid's a, just a juggernaut in the adult entertainment industry. 
And he so this is this is not a this is not a small time guy here. This is a guy who owned a major adult film studio. I mean, and if you're a realtor or giving a loan or anything like that, that holds whether you believe it in it or not, it holds basis. Yeah. Especially in a place like Los Angeles. Now, if he was based in like Louisville, Kentucky or somewhere like in the Bible Belt, he's not getting a loan. But Los Angeles, I would think, I would assume, like even during that era, uh, they would look at like a porn business as a viable business yeah. to loan money to. Um, September 18, 2000 from The Observer after. Oh, by the way, they're not uh, just going like we're. As we're going through this, they haven't ran a show yeah. in four months. That's why I haven't sent any results. They, yeah, they're not they're not going to run again until November. We're going to get to that. Yeah, July twenty second when they run the LA Sports Arena, and then nothing again until November. So recouping it, costs. Yeah, so it's not like we're skipping results here. No, it's nothing. Um, September eighteenth. I I love that Onita's involved with this because these these Onita stories are because Onita's a carny too, yeah, and he's these stringing Onita them along. Stories are great. So after Sushi Onita announced. And did what was billed as his Japanese retirement match. He's now trying to get around his millionth retirement stipulation by booking an explosive barbed wire match featuring himself on U.S. Army bases, which he claims would be a U.S. government property and thus technically not Japan, not the islands. He stopped talking uh, about working uh, XPW, which was talked several weeks back. So... They probably didn't know what they afforded Nita first off at, at this point because he's taking a break. He's probably trying to recoup costs. But oh, uh, I mean that's it's that is fine. That technically is the U.S. Is, Army gonna allow that? Would they even think about allowing that? Like, then, I mean, I mean, he probably get some explosives from them to make that work. I but mean, yeah, that's a callback, kind of sketchy. A callback to our first episode we ever did on here. The U.S. military bases. Do bring in professional wrestling as entertainment. We we saw the NWA show with Sergeant Craig Pittman and uh, yeah, they were touring all of their tour in Alaska and, yeah. and Japan and like yeah, they were going around. It's going something around that happens. I don't know if it happens currently. If it's not WWE, it may. We just don't really hear about it. But I'm not sure if there's a lot of like wrestling USO tours and I don't know and wrestling and you know for, if anyone's if area. anyone knows this, listen to this like send us a message and let us know because we're actually legit curious. Yeah, no, because we've brought that. That's actually been like a topic of just like shooting the shit over the last like decade and a half when WWE sends people over to tribute to troops. So like, why don't why doesn't any indies try to jump on that? Exactly, because comedians do. Because like so. Obviously, USO started it with bringing comics over, and now yeah. I know a few different organizations of comics that go overseas to Iraq, Afghanistan, Germany, whatever, and and do comedy in front of the troops. Some are big organizations, some are small organizations. Uh, Johnny LaQuasto, who's involved with professional wrestling, works for WWE, uh, and all, and he did stand up like over there a lot. So, yeah, it, it it's. I think it's an interesting mar- – and the government's going to pay you probably a lot more than you're going to get. Yeah. It's going to be a nice old show. And it's not just like going to war zones. It's not Iraq or Afghanistan. Like it could be an army base in Germany, an army base in yeah. the U.K., like in Japan, in the Philippines, like anywhere that we have – like the U.S. government has army Guam. bases. Yeah. They have hundreds of army bases all over. <laughs> you just, you just want to go back down into uh, the, the Philippines for your – 
Was it when you went to your, yeah, your honeymoon? Yeah, so I was in Indonesia. I, oh, no, okay. I, I told people I'm going to bring professional wrestling to Bali. Yeah. <laughs> eventually, someday. <laughs> I, I do I do want you to eventually tell that story. We have to figure out how to tie it in where you almost missed the uh, the volcano. Oh well, yeah, we'll have to tell that one. Day. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, October first of two thousand uh, from the Observer, there's still talk of Atushi Nita working Sabu uh, for XPW when XPW gets its building situation straightened down <laughs> in the Los Angeles market. So he's just trying to find the, uh, a new place. That's what it's coming down to. An, an area. With 30 million people, you can't find a building. <laughs> October 16, 2000, there's a lot of heat because Masato Tanaka apparently is going to take an XPW booking through Sabu. So Sabu now is trying to steal Heyman's, like, non-contracted ECW guys. Uh, October 23, 2000, XPW which has been quiet for some time. We'll be holding a press conference just after we go into press this week to talk, to announce the long talked about Atushi Onita exploding ring match in the United States, which I believe will be taking place on December 3rd against Sabu. Also at the press conference, they will announce a new television deal in a new arena that will be their home base. XBW's next show will be November 10th in San Bernardino with big Dick Dudley returning. And then, uh, October 30th here from the Observer before we get into the results of November show. Uh, XPW held its press conference to build up the Atushio Nita vs. Sabu match. Uh, and they held that on October 18th. Uh, uh, now, the bout itself is supposed to take on December, supposed to take place on December 3rd. Onita came out and said Vince McMahon and Paul Heyman promised him they'd do explosive matches with him, but both backed out. Sabu came out and uh, turned over a table, sending water everywhere. Onita threw a chair, and a reporter bladed for him. Onita powerbombed Sabu. I'm just so funny. I'm sorry. Onita powerbombed Sabu in a table that didn't break, and Onita bladed Sabu. Uh, Onita and heel owner Rob Black tried to burn an American flag, but their barbecue starter didn't work. They finally got the fire started, but the room had no ventilation. Onita rammed Sabu's head into the fire until Kevin Kleinrock came with an empty fire extinguisher. Finally, they poured water on the flag to put the fire out. When Onita returned to Japan, he talked with the president at the airport about his match, but said it would be against a mystery opponent, and then challenged Antonio Inoki to come out of retirement for a match against him, which Onita said would be his retirement match. Onita's trying to challenge his childhood hero, Terry Funk. For the all-time record number of retirements, he's going to have to retire soon because he needs a knee replacement. Then again, so has Funk needed for many years. Well, Anita's still wrestling. (laughs) uh, I I just and um, just all the error, all the all the mistakes, all the like one error after another. The barbecue starter, which I think I think what Meltzer means is one of those. the what long those, lighters. Yeah, one of the, the long yeah, the long lighters you, you start a fire with. For barbecue, yeah, you start for yeah. fire. So that didn't lighter. work. Then the fire they grabbed an empty fire extinguisher, so like <laughs> I, I can just I can just imagine they're taking bottles of water. It had to be a worker. Like <laughs> I'm uh Chip Ch- 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 Jolloway from the uh Los Angeles Sun. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I can't. They're just trying to get publicity any way they can. Like first, but off, they paid for Anita to fly in too. Anita's flying in there. They're trying to burn American flag, which you don't have to do America versus Japan in two thousand. Like as an angle, it could just be like, hey, 
here's the greatest deathmatch wrestler of all time. Sabu goes, no, I'm the greatest. And then I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure the comment of he Pearl Harbored him came up too. Um, I'm, I'm sure it did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the thing wouldn't start. <laughs> there's um. So there's there's a story. And it's actually, I think it's been told recently on uh, the Iron on Wrestling podcast with Gregory Iron, which definitely check that out. But uh, there's a local wrestling promoter. Oh, he used to be a local wrestling promoter. And he would always have these crazy elaborate ideas. And he wanted to come out in, like, the General Lee car and, like, drive it to come out and, like, get out and beat up all the heels. Oh, this wasn't Warpath, was it? Yes, it was. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yes, Probably Warpath. But he I do remember the General Lee story, but yeah. He he comes out in the General Lee car but he can't start it. He, like the car isn't isn't started to like actually come down and everything. So I yeah, it's one of those you had to be there, but still like, We could have a whole story about Warpath botches. <laughs> yes. He he But we've he, seen something like this. He shockmastered once through the wall. He he built a wall to come out yeah. of and fell over. Uh, so <laughs> He he drove his car into the venue and busted through a makeshift wall. But this this makeshift wall that he built was holding up a garage door. So as soon as he pu- went through it, the garage door dropped and <laughs> smashed the top of his car. Um, that that's that the, car wouldn't start either. <laughs> well, no, it could start, but he had he had the valet that he saved in the ring go back the car out but the car was stick shift and she didn't know how to drive so she's like rev- she's like doing everything she can while he's standing on the hood of the car pounding his chest as trying as the conquering hero because she was supposed to back the car out oh, for well, our listeners trying. out there YouTube Primal Warpath you won't be disappointed maybe we do need a, like a bonus episode of just Primal Warpath stories <laughs> He said a video with and, and Alex we, Shelley. Alex Shelley said the weirdest video he ever got. Alex Shelley said on like WB. Was it no? It was TNA Wrestling. Yeah. Com like called and we we love Warp. We love Dave as a person. Yes, he's he's just got some stories. Uh, we've seen some interesting things. He, he's he's tried to be uh, WB in nineteen ninety two on an indie an indie level budget. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's. Uh, Let's, we got some results because we're back here at November 11, 2000 with XPW Dismembered in November. Oh, I wonder where uh, Dismembered in December came from. <laughs> but Dismembered in November, uh, it was at the Metal Fest open air in San Bernardino, California. We had Kid Chaos defeating Juventu Guerrera. Um, Hoobie's out of his contract by then, huh? Pogo the Clown. Yeah, he Frank. left. He was fired after the... Uh... Australia tour, which okay. I think was in uh, October, right? Was it? It was. It was either from October to. I thought August, it was August. October. August, October. I can't. It's in that time frame, though. Um, either, e- either, either way, yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, October two thousand. Okay. So yeah, so he's he's probably if if he had a no comp- compete, he's still under the no compete. But you would tell who we know. No. Yeah. So yeah, we had a. Kid Kid Chaos to be Hood Guerrero. Pogo the Clown defeating Crack. Steve Rosado defeats Dynamite D. Uh, Tool defeats Homeless Jimmy and Johnny Webb. You would think that uh, Bruce Hart would love some of these names. Uh, XBW King of the Deathmatch title. The Messiah defeats Supreme in a title change to become the new King of the Deathmatch. And then in the XBW World Heavyweight title, Sabu defeated Big Dick Dudley and John Cronus. 
Um, and that would be their last show of 2000. We do have some notes, so leading us up to 2001. Uh, November 20, 2000, Sabu added the NWA title to his XBW title and his belt he holds for Stampede Wrestling with a win over Mike Rapata on November 14th in Tampa before about 500 fans after putting him through a table. The two have rematches set for December 1st in Michigan and December 12th in Tampa. Huvutu Guerrero worked his first American show uh, since his WWE firing November 11th. Okay. Um, uh, in San Bernardino, California for XBW. The main event of the show, Sabu winning a three-way over Big Dick Dudley and John Cronus. Guerrero is also working in November 18th for in Anaheim, California for Revolution Pro Wrestling at the Rudos Dojo. Dojo. Heyman is said to be right now uh, down right now and using Hubertu Guerrero because of his price and because he worked XBW over the weekend. You couldn't afford Hubi. Heyman, come on. We're, we're talking November 2000. You're, you're closing the doors in two months. He's not bringing in Hubertu Guerrero. No. Um, and I'm also, I'm just... You lost your TV deal, too. <laughs> I'm I'm just trying to look up Metal Fest Open Air, the venue in San Bernardino. It seems to be a, uh, I don't know if it's annual, but I've noticed California Metal Fest. So there's, it's a venue, obviously outdoors, that holds some concerts. Here's one from like 2012 with Asking Alexandria, As I Lay Dying, uh, some pretty big names, Pierce the Veil. So... I would assume this venue's pretty big. I don't know. Like, California Metal Fest 2012 was held in November, so this could be in conjunction with the Music Fest. I uh, Yeah, I mean, that would make sense. It would work. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at setlist.fm right now and just... I'm sure there's more information on it. While you looked it up, well, we're going to move to December 4, 2000 for the Observer uh, XPW show scheduled for December 3rd with the six-man tag. Invo- oh, wait, by the way, the December 3rd show, not happening. It's a an opposite sides. By the way, it turned into a six-man uh, in the explosive barbed wire match was canceled. This makes at least the fourth promotion, uh, WWF, ECW, CCW, now XPW, to negotiate with Onita. Uh, for an explosive barbed wire match. Except for WWF, all the uh, groups uh, started to work on it. Is Onita did an ECW angle with Salmon, which was never followed up on. Uh, while CZW and XPW actually announced dates and matches, both of which ended up canceled for a number of reasons, with fingers pointed to deflect the flame, with CZW, they blamed the commission when the promoters never even got the permits, and they actually ran a show that night in New Jersey for the ticket holders. And the reality is the show had no advance, and they didn't get it approved. But Pennsylvania doesn't regulate the content of wrestling, so the stories about the commission shutting them down over uh, the, the content of the match were a cover. XPW had its reasons, apparently the new arena uh, not being ready among them, but there was no buzz among the public. So a lot there. Um, first off, kind of oh. a callback from a previous note with Onita. Do you think Vince McMahon ever, ever wanted to bring no- Onita in for a explosive barbed wire death match in WWF? No. Now, um, ECW, I believe that. Uh, CZW, of course. And you know what's funny? It doesn't happen. It's not explosive. To start with. He shows up, what, like 2016? I don't know that, but. It takes Onita 15, 16 years to get the CCW, I think. Yeah. Unless he had, like, an early appearance before that. But um, obviously, I know when he was there that weekend, it was a big deal a few years back. Um, oh, so, um, 
going back, I did look up uh, November 11th there uh, on setlist.fm at San Bernardino, California uh, at the National Orange Show Events Center. November 11th, uh, there was a concert called November to Dismember Metal Fest 2000. So I don't know if XPW actually came up with that name or just it was tagged. Metal Fest name, yeah. uh, actually, it went for several days. So I'm seeing, like, I'm going through pages of names like The Haunted, Dark Funeral, Pissing Razors, Impaled, Skinless. Uh, a lot of bands I've never heard of because I'm not in that scene. But uh, Transmetal, The Sins of Thy Beloved, Ravenous, Mortician, Nevermore. Um, it's going into several days, too. Like Exhume, Amber Asylum. Uh, so I think this was a bigger event than Meltzer men- has mentioned there. Um, I'm just curious to know like more about this like what was the deal did rob black put on uh a metal fest was he a major sponsor like was i was extreme associates a main sponsor of this event and that's how we got a wrestling event to happen there i would imagine he was a sponsor and he probably was one of the investors in the festival or just kind of sold the aspect of wrestling being a festival yeah because like it's what if it's like a sold show it's yeah, it's funny when you see these things start popping up on festivals here and there. Like, for years, like, wrestling was at... The Luchadors were at Warp Tour, but, like, there, like there, there's still a lot of, like, uh, information on that that's not out there. Who were the Luchadors and, and all that? And then not until recently when I think, like, the AIW did stuff for Warp Tour and stuff like that. Like, I think they did. I think Beyond yeah. might have, because I, yeah. I know Joe Gacy worked one yeah. before he... Uh, um, But back in, like, the early mid-2000s, they were, like, luchador wrestlers. But I don't know what the story was behind that. Um, So this is San Bernardino. uh, Oh, it looks like a racetrack. Oh, that's cool. So there's an indoor event. Something that looks like an indoor convention center, like an expo hall that you see on a state fairgrounds. I'm looking at Google Maps. So, like, yeah. uh, And then what looks like, uh, like a racetrack, like a small racetrack. And then a large ass parking lot, so it it's something that looks like it's conducive for a uh, for a concert for like a festival. So yeah, in San Bernardino, that's Inland Empire area. That's eastern or East Bay, I believe it's concerned considered, but east of Los Angeles, less than an hour, so it's not that far. Again, it, I think he. I think there's more to the story of him getting that venue maybe at a cheap rate or just piggybacking off it, which would make sense for for running this show and why, like, he didn't do anything for months and really didn't do nothing, didn't do anything for, like, two months after this. Yeah. And, which and, it could be a sold and show. canceling his big December show that he wanted to have. Yeah. Um, one other thing I found out, too, you know, it's not XPW, CCW, but in, the, in those notes from, from The Observer, that... They did the whole commission thing. Oh, yeah, we were going to bring in Onita, but we didn't realize that we couldn't do that. <laughs> you know that you if you could do an, an explosive barbed wire death match or not. You just realize, oh, XBW's not flying them in, so we can't get them in cheaper. I'm sure CCW was trying to piggyback. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, December 25th, 2000 for the Observer. XPW will be running its first event, arena event in months on January the 13th in Rosita. Uh, with Tracy Smothers having been let go by WWF, he's expected to return here, which people don't talk about. You you love bringing this up. Tracy's weird shotgun jacked metal. I don't think he was actually under a contract, but he was, yeah, he worked for WWE for a good amount toward the Attitude Era in 99, 2000. And he did. He's not talked about. He did a lot of shotguns. He did house shows, too, around like the Mid-Atlantic area. And like the Mid America area, the Tennessee, Kentucky area too. Like you look at house show results, he's randomly working house shows. Um, so it's now two thousand one, and of course that's a huge year for professional wrestling. As the end, really, of, what happened? <laughs> the end of WCW, ECW. But uh, here in XBW, January thirteenth, two thousand one, XBW New Year's Revolution, and it was at the Patriot Hall in Van Nuys, California. You saw a two-on-one handicap match where Pogo the Clown defeated Angel and Crack. Uh, that name. Hubertu <laughs> Guerrero and Chaos went to a no contest. The West Side Playas, uh, Jason, then Tony Jones defeated Rocco Castellano. Good to see Tony Jones pop it up here. Uh, Dynamite D defeats Hubertu Guerrero and Steve Rosano. Four-way dance, John Cronus defeated Homeless Jimmy, uh, Kukuzawa, and Nazawa. Uh, Johnny Webb defeated Lester. Tool beats Big Dick Dudley, and in the main event for the World Heavyweight title, Sabu defeats the Messiah. Uh, and then, uh, so we have uh, some notes from the Observer regarding that here. Uh, XPW ran its first show on uh, January 13th in Rosita, California, the first show in several months, and immediately proclaimed itself the number three promotion, because this is... ECW's done. I think like the first week of January, that's it, right? Well, no, they're still running house shows, but I think this is more of... is Pine Bluff? uh, Pine Bluff would have been February? I think you're right about that. But I imagine... Also, too, we, but it didn't. That doesn't matter. Rob likes to say he's better than ECW. He's been saying it for months. Well, also, too, we have to remember, too, like he's clearly... He's booking these former ECW talent. They have friends in the locker room. You know, it's been pretty much on the belief that, like, Heyman stopped showing up to shows late 2000. And Dreamer was just booking house shows and and, and doing that. So they, he probably just thought, oh, they're done. Actually, no. Actually, no. This, this January same, the same day. Yeah, January 13th. I just saw that. Wow. Yeah, the same day. So... XPW was claiming they probably got they probably knew they got the Iggy. <laughs> like, well, know. there is the time zone difference, so yeah, I, I like I like that story. Maybe maybe someone from ECW, it very well possibly could have been someone on the ECW roster knew the writing on the wall in that locker room. Like, just speculating, but I someone mean, look, in the locker room could have like got on the phone at the arena and called someone from XPW and like, hey, can you put in a word for me and get me booking? I mean, me somebody booking? in that locker room like knew Hoovy probably, or Big Dick Dudley, or Sabu. And you know Sabu would love to brag about that Yeah, at this point. Him and Heyman have had a falling out. You know he's probably like, yeah, just get off the phone with Sam, man. It's over. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, that makes for a, gr- that makes for a good story. You know, and again with the with the time zone difference that the Pine Bluff Arkansas ECW show would have been over by the time XPW started, or at least over before XPW ended. Um. Uh, so, uh, 
Two days later, they received word from America One, the network of the small and largely uh, powered TV station. By the way, thanks to Lady from the Business uh, on the Business Podcast, he gave us some information on that. Do you know that they're still in existence? They're now YouTube America, and they still run it random independent wrestling. <laughs> so people don't listen. America One was so crucial to the independent wrestling uh, business. Somebody should write a book about that. <laughs> uh, just all the stuff that they covered over the years. So uh, thanks, Levy, for those details uh, that, that he sent through the uh, through Twitter this week. Um, but uh, yeah, after they received word, uh, you know, from America One that they are canceling the show effective at January twenty eighth. Among those appeared who were Big Dick Dudley, Juventud Guerrero, Buddy Rose. Buddy Rose was at XPW. That's a fact of the day uh, as a manager of Steve Rosano. And it was headlined by Cebu over Messiah to keep the XPW title. Cebu was jumped by Rob Black's army when New Jack made the save for him. So New Jack probably knew somebody over there too, saying that uh, Cebu shouldn't trust him either. And that he sh- that and said he never quit wrestling, which he actually did, but only that he quit ECW. Nobody is usually surprised when anyone goes anywhere because of the nature of the business and opportunities drying up. Even so, people in ECW were very surprised New Jack would work XPW as he was more involved uh, in the fight in Los Angeles during the pay-per-view as far as throwing punches than anyone. Barry Blostein gave a speech at the show telling people that they should never be ashamed of being a wrestling fan. The show drew more than 900 people, uh, but from reports from people who asked around, it appeared on Almost it was papered. Okay, there's a lot almost here. All, oh, almost all of it was papered. papered. Yeah. There's a lot here. For um first off, New Jack. We'll, we'll talk about New Jack. Um So they, they declare themselves the number three promotion and then two days later they they lose their T V deal. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. And then the thing with New Jack, people have to remember like oh well he was involved with the fight, so that's a surprise. He just probably wanted to fight. But he was wearing the ECW jersey at that time. Now he's wearing the XPW jersey. Not for nothing. He probably didn't know who's what was going on. Like the I locker room, they were just fans. Yeah, you know? like if you're backstage at a show and someone's like, "There's a fight, a fans fighting, a fans fighting a wrestler." Like everyone's got to clear the locker room and just start throwing punches, not knowing who who's out there. So like you don't really know. Plus, if you work for a company that's a company's paying you, you're gonna defend the company. Now Barry Blostein showing up. When that's, yeah, that's so the bit, strange because this is two thousand one. Like Beyond the Mat comes out and gets released in ninety nine. Um, the, the March two thousand, so it was done in March and it was uh, fil- uh, released worldwide March two thousand later in VHS and DVD. But still, maybe VHS was released. Like yeah, he was doing a the original run? release date was October twenty second, nineteen ninety nine. Maybe he was. Maybe he just wanted to go to a wrestling show. Maybe New Jack called him like, "Hey, I'm in L.A." That, yeah, because maybe they were that close from from when they spent some time together. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's an odd one, you know. And yeah, because America- you never think he would show up at XPW. No, no. And America One dropped you. Yeah, let's go back to that. Like we we talk about it. They, they they carry all sorts of wrestling. Um, I can actually uh, pull up what they are now. So so what they are now is you to america but i know let me i can look up uh on the twitter what lavi sent me as far as what they cover no we talked about this before when you search for america one network one american news network comes up so you have to you have to make sure that's not the one you're looking for all right so 
Yeah, so they st- they they still air uh, OVW, uh, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, and Classic All Star, which is the Jarrett Parsons stuff, on the network. So they're still covering, they're still showing wrestling. You two, yeah, or YTA TV. Yeah, are they even are they on actual conventional cable? Not sure. Approximately thirty two million households have reception to YTA TV in some wow. manner through over the air or paid TV reception. So they're so I'm guessing they're a sub like a sub channel. Like if you buy a package, you get them probably. Well, no, over the air sub channel. So you're like channel fourteen point two or fourteen point three, oh. like one of the one of the off channels. Like yeah, I know. Okay, yeah, like yeah. classic TV or yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, man. Like uh, uh, then when they're dropping it, what's going? On? <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but uh, all right. So uh, in January 29, two thousand one, from the. Uh, the Observer, according to XBB Press release, the reason America One canceled the show was because apparently recent storylines were too extreme for the network standards. Too extreme chose... with an X. <laughs> yeah, they chose to air repeats instead of original episodes. XBW will continue to air their shows on KJLA in Los Angeles, which is their final remaining TV outlet. And <sighs> I, I, I do want to say, like, I can understand this. If, if you're an over-the-air broadcast station, like, that... I can't imagine the stress of putting out a show every week and just thinking, like, is this going to be okay? Is that going to be okay? Like, a little inside here. Like, for the local promotion we work for, ESW, we actually have local TV. It's on a over-the-air station, uh, like a sub-channel for a station that's only aired over locally. But uh, we have a Thursday nighttime slot that airs our programming and i it it's it's something we just we supply to the to the channel we supply to the network and uh but like it's just basically old shows i put together give them an hour programming but even i get stressed over that watching this stuff we're not we no. don't have swearing we like we're a general it's just what people think this super is yeah like, it's like but like holy shit chance i'm li- listening to the crowd i'm like i'm nervous i have to go back and look at stuff uh like blood, like is blood okay? <laughs> yeah, there, there's some stuff like a, a an unprotected chair shot in one episode. Like I felt weird about it, so I still like I blacked the screen out just for that segment. Like a worker, a wrestler flipping off his opponent. I'm like, can't is this sketchy? Uh, did get in trouble once because uh, Greg Iron came out for a promo wearing an obscene T-shirt, and I didn't. It didn't even click in my mind until. Because uh, it wasn't offensive to you. Yeah, until the station owner emailed me about it when the show was airing, and I'm like, like it just never crossed my mind. So like, looking at this, being like, even during this time, like it was the FCC was more stricter, and just looking at that, and like I can't imagine putting together a show. You just must not give a fuck. Just hand a show over and like here, just air it. And like, how do you differentiate that and worry about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, and, and and really, that's one of their biggest downfalls is not having that television outlet. That's why they didn't break out of this independent level, which I say they're at, in my opinion. Like it, TV for them, and I think it was a bad time for them to pop up. You, we talked about this last episode. You think, oh, the wrestling's hot, the business is hot. Two thousand, let's start a promotion, you know. And but really. It wasn't as hot as you thought it was. Yes, WWF was doing all-time record numbers. 
But WCW was starting to lose business. ECW was starting to lose business. And things were coming out, like kids dying from wrestling holds and stuff like that. It, it was a bubble that was about to burst, and like no one saw the underlining yeah. bubble. Like ECW was still drawing... They drew their biggest houses in 2000. WCW was still doing really good business at at house shows. Like, not great business, but they were still drawn respectively. And, yeah, just a combination of a lot of stuff that's under the, under the hood. Yeah, A lot of people will look at, like, ECW, like, oh, they drew 6,000 people for this pay-per-view. They're doing great. And, like, you, know, you have to, like, take in everything into account. And if you're a TV network executive, right, and – you're obviously you're reading the trades. You know what's going on. You know that ECW has lost their TV outlet and cannot get on any other national uh, cable broadcast network. They can't. Like you know, and you you may even know that. Hey, you may have rumblings or a friend and a friend that Time Warner's pulling the plug in a couple months here. You know, on WCW. So you've got you know. Viacom kicking off a wrestling broadcast and that wrestling broadcast not finding out of work. And then you got Time Warner, you know, Turner Broadcasting kicking off somebody. Well, they were they were ready by by late 2000. There, it was already well known that WCW was for sale. Yeah. So it wasn't like a, a surprise. And if you're, like you said, if you're a TV executive and you're seeing, well, this company owns a, TV, owns a wrestling company and they're trying to offload it. So... So why would you put XPW on a cable broadcast network? If, and, and nothing against XPW, but like, well, no, because Rob Black was try, he was trying what he trying anything he could. Like, I don't fault him for trying, but just the knowledge of like, it's understandable looking back why it if, didn't work. It was the wrong time period. It really was, you know. And we can talk about later on. I mean, technically, it, still isn't the right time. No, <laughs> but it's better now than it was then. <laughs> well, because now we have. Like the internet and like on yeah, demand, and, like and, and, there's and, ways to get your game product Changer out. Game is extremely popular, which features deathmatch wrestling. You know, like, but but Game Changer isn't trying to get on a they're not. network. No. They're not trying. They're not trying to get on uh, Destination America or whatever <laughs> those weird networks. Um, you can't say Nick fucking Gage on. TV. <laughs> no, you 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 cannot. Uh, fe- uh, February third, two thousand one. Uh, XBW paybacks a bitch. Events at Patriot Hall in Van Nuys, California. We have Superboy defeating uh, uh, Pilato Suicida. Uh, John Cronus defeating Dynamite D. Big Dick Dudley defeating Lester. Juventu Guerrero defeating Steve Rosano. And then the, for the XPW Heavyweight title, uh, Homeless Jimmy and Sabu, which Sabu remained the champion from the tag match, defeated the Messiah and Vic Grimes, who is now here. And there, by the way, Lester, we keep seeing Lester. That's Supreme. He was going by Lester for a while. <laughs> Don't know why, but he was. Um, but, uh, yeah, so very interesting thing to do that And uh, as far as a tag match here. Um, and then uh, we'll actually go to the uh, Figure Four Weekly. Oh, by the way, the last miracle one note, that was from Figure Four Weekly. And we'll go to Figure Four Weekly again. February 19, 2001, Vic Grimes is feuding with New Jack in XBW now with the angle being that the two have heat stemming from the incident at the ECW pay-per-view uh, where they fell off the scaffold and Neeler killed each other. Oh, did they know what was coming? <laughs> they did a brawl uh, uh, during the February 3rd show where Jack literally stapled a dollar bill to Grimes's head. Also at the show, Rob Black was handing out petitions to try to get himself 
on the ballot for mayor of Los Angeles. Yeah, we're going to talk about that as details go more. Uh, if a porn mogul could ever be elected mayor of a city, I think Los Angeles would be that city. Well, maybe <sighs> a town councilman in West Hollywood, but yeah. Um, so many we'll, lines. We'll get, to, we'll get to that. But like, <laughs> Meltzer made a big deal, or um, Alvarez made a big deal about the stapling a dollar bill to Grimes' head, which I think maybe we're all desensitized to that because that's a normal deathmatch spot. That's a normal hardcore spot nowadays. I don't think New Jack did that in ECW. That's why I think it's so like pe- people think that's like a staple. Is like I think he did, but I don't think I think the gimmick was the staple gun wasn't loaded at that point. Maybe I know he used the staple, but I don't remember the dollar bill. Okay, yeah, you're right. I remember the staple gun, but I don't remember. Yeah, the dollar. I think because the dollar bill would actually shows that there's actually staples in yes. the staple gun. So that's the difference. Um, but and also, I don't know how I feel about them building off of an ECW feud, continuing an XPW. I guess since ECW is no longer in existence, it's different, but there's been indies for the last 20 years that will book like former ECW guys and feud them with each other and trying to try to play it off that this angle still is still going on. Yeah. Like the, the, this feud has spilled into other promotions, you know, like there's still people booking uh, guys from the eighties. The head feuds. I mean, for a, maybe a decade or so ago, Rock and Roll at Midnight did a loop again. <laughs> they yeah, were, they, they, yeah, yeah, the feud's still going on. Yeah. So I, I mean, it's it's one of those things, like you know, uh, like stuff would like yeah, like it's the point of like Brutus Beefcake would work, uh, someone like Honky Talk Man, and they would try to reignite that feud on in the Indies and do a loop. Yes, because that that works in <laughs> the two thousand. <laughs> So, yeah, obviously some foreshadowing here, you know, talking about a previous scaffold <laughs> incident. Uh, and, um, yeah, and then the, the mayor. <laughs> so, man, Los Angeles, California in general, like I remember when the governor of California thing was going on and Arnold was one of the more normal candidates as far as on paper compared to who else ran, like, um, oh, during the recall? Yeah, like a Mary Carey from porn. And like a, I'm kind of hyped about this eventual recall that's going to happen soon because to see all the all the weirdos <laughs> that throw their name in the hat for that. Um, there's usually like 60 names. That, like There's dozens <laughs> upon dozens of people that try to get on the ballot for that. And then when we get... And it's to, open ballot, too. Like, when we no actually limit. get to talk about this, too, like the, the ballot of the mayor of Los Angeles. <laughs> but, yeah... Uh, is he out of his mind? <laughs> like, like, listen, I think Rob Black is painted into a bad picture in a lot of ways. And this show is not an apology piece to him at all. We're just telling the facts. But I think it's skewed a certain way. You know, we can't talk about he got a raw deal. And we'll talk about that later on. But do you really? Uh, yes, it's Los Angeles. But do you really think that they're going to elect you as mayor? Why waste the money on campaigning? Put it towards XBW. <laughs> like, how was he really spending money? We'll, we'll... Maybe buy TV time. Oh no, I'm sure he was. Pe- Come on, you don't think he had like little buttons and T-shirts and? Signs? Well, yeah, okay. I mean, serious money like buying TV commercials, which you could like if which, you're do- that's out there. If <laughs> you're doing TV commercials, like. You tie it in with XPW. You're like, hey, if you like wrestling, if you want more wrestling, vote for me as mayor. 
Yeah, we we, we we will do shows on government properties. And we'll bring Onita in. <laughs> yeah, if you're a fan, if you're a fan of Onita, vote for me. <laughs> oh, want to uh, see a ring explode? Vote for me. Here's a rare thing for uh, for February Ash. Two shows. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> February twenty fourth, two thousand one. Uh, XPW, my bloody Valentine. Not even a double shot. That's that's good. No, not even a double shot. Yep, it, uh, and that was an event at Patriot Hall in Van Nuys, California. Which it looks like Van Nuys is their steady location for right now at this time period. Uh, we had new- at least for two, at least for the first half of two thousand one. Yes. Yeah. Then I see it changes a little bit. But we had a New Jack defeating Dynamite D. Then we had the XBW King of the Death match tournament 2001. In the first round, it was a bed of nails and barbed wire. Vic Grimes defeated Crack. Another first round match was a bed of thumbtacks and a barbed wire ladder. Johnny Webb defeated Nazawa. Then we had a uh, bed of light tubes and broken glass where Homeless Jimmy defeated John Cronus. And then in the last first round match where it was beds of barbed wire and thumbtacks, Supreme, who's no longer Lester, defeated Steve Rosano. Uh, we had Hubens Aguirre defeating Chaos. Then we have second round matches. It's Bed of Nails, Barbed Wire, and Thumbtacks. Supreme defeated Johnny Webb. And then in a Beds of Barbed Wire, Glass, and Light Bulbs, Vic Grimes defeated Homeless Jimmy. Uh, the Messiah defeated Tool on the show. Then we have the tournament final. It is No Rope. Barbed wire, bed of nails, glass, light tubes, and thumbtacks. No time limit. Vic Grimes defeated Supreme. And then and then after all that, he wrestles for the XBW King of the Deathmatch title against the champion Messiah. Messiah defeated Vic Grimes. Man, you took an overkill. No rope, barbed wire, bed of nails, glass, light tubes, thumbtacks. And I'm sure there was other weapons, too. I'm sure chairs got involved. And... Just call it a death match. You don't need to list yeah. every single weapon. <laughs> and, uh, man, the work that came into making these thumbtack beds and, and, and light tube beds. And... I mean, I admire, even to this day, I admire the death match wrestlers for all the work that they put into some of these weapons. Yeah. Uh, it was a really wrong, cool but... scene for Ricky Shane Page and Nick Gage to see all the, all the light tubes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was really cool to see. Uh, but yeah, man, a little, a little bit of an overkill, I, I think, on this, and you can see they wonder why they're struggling to get a TV deal. Um, March fifth, two thousand one, uh, XPW ran uh, the King of Deathmatch tournament on February twenty fourth. The Van Noises back to the Observer using all the expected gimmicks like thumbtacks, broken glass, light tubes, and barbed wire, with Vic Grimes winning over Supreme in the finals. The main event was supposed to be Grimes then challenging Messiah for the Deathmatch title, but they did a Hogan. Nash one finger title change with Grimes lying down to end the show. You would think there should be a handbook for all potential bookers, which lists angles WCW did over the last three years and correlating the drop in attendance, buy rate, etc. Uh, month by month as the variation angles played out. Never has the saying, those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat its failures, been more applicable than those who book pro wrestling. <laughs> But think of all the heat the fans had for Nash and Hogan when they did that. And check the attendance figures the next two times they came back to Atlanta after pulling that. Not to mention, simply put, the near death of the promotion by not knowing the difference between heat and what draws money and heat that costs you money. Well, that's a... So why are they doing a finger poke? This is what I love about this, XPW. <laughs> you think you know the story. And it's just more like the Onita flag incident. And then they did a finger poke of doom. Like for some, like there's probably like a huge angle, something that was going to be built off of that and just probably fell by the wayside. But 
I've noticed too now that EC, now that WCW is done, Meltzer and Alvarez take all of their frustrations out in XPW because their their commentary in a lot of these comments turn very uh, very yeah yeah, and that's the thing we're reading straight from the Observer or straight from Figure Four Weekly, so just, just but it, keep it, that it, in mind. It also shows like like we said, like we think Rob, Rob Black and XPW maybe you've got a biased. A raw deal on a lot of this stuff and this shows it too like the predisposition to the the level of hate from the established wrestling community over some of the stuff they did when looking back at it a lot of these matches a lot of the death matches are no different than what's happening now mm-hmm. um so Mar, uh, sorry so now March 17 2001 XPW the night XPW stood still Event at Patriot Hall in Blanois, California. Dynamite D defeated Homeless Jimmy. Big Dick Dudley defeated Crack. Johnny Webb defeated Kikuzawa. Steve Rosano defeated John Cronus. Pogo the Clown defeated Big Dick Dudley. The XPW heavyweight title three-way dance. Sabu beat Juventud Guerrero in Chaos. And then the Messiah and Vic Grimes defeated New Jack and Supreme. Um, So, yeah, I mean, New Jack, Vic Grimes, they're right into the thick of things now. Big Dick Dudley's back. Cronus is there. Um, I mean, they're only using, it looks like, about 10 to 15, 14 guys in a rotation. Like, there's no more tag. The tag teams are look to be gone, and maybe this is cost-cutting measures and all that. And and I'm sure, like... I mean, seven matches, too. Like, they're keeping it tight. And I'm sure he's getting, like... I'm sure he's getting Kikuzawa and Osawa almost at, like, a sweetheart discount. Because I think, imagine... I don't need... And, by the way, um, Kikuzawa's Kikataro. I don't know if Kikataro is like living, living in the the U.S. at this point, or almost doing like his own excursion. And I think the same for Nozawa because they spend some time in California and then they pop up in TNA and in all that. But I'm not sure if they actually lived here like for that whole period of time. I don't know. Um, I in 2001 he did wrestle Osaka Pro for a while. Um, it's back in Japan, so FMW. Uh, yeah, so he, he could he could have just been on an excursion. Um, so it might be it might be just getting them on on the on the kind of like the uh, yeah the excursions kind of sweetheart discount. You can get Japanese talent for cheaper than you would think. Like if they're on an excursion, they're just hitting up all these promotions. Yes, yeah. plus they're, they're just trying to get work. Plus Japan to LAX is not, not too bad. It's yeah. not yeah, it's pretty cheap. Um, but uh, so from from the Observer, uh, April 9, two thousand one, Juventud Guerrera is being negotiated with for CZW in May. XPW won't use him anymore apparently because he's not willing to put anyone over. <sighs> Hoovy will be Hoovy. <laughs> yep. Uh, XPW has uh, the April twenty first date at the Olympic Auditorium, which AAA had on television announces it would have. AAA has announced the date so many times before booking buildings that you would think. They would figure it out by now. Anyways, appearing on the XBW show are Zabu, New Jack, Vic Grimes, John Cronus, and they're billing Conan, although he's under contract to WCW still. I don't know if that one's going to happen. Um, and that show does actually happen. The XBW show, that is, not AAA. No, no, yeah. The XBW show actually does happen, and we're actually going to talk about that right now here. Uh, April 21st, 2001, XBW scene of the crime at the Grand Olympic Auditorium. In Los Angeles, California. While I'm reading these results, can you see how big that one is? 
uh, Grand Olympic Auditorium, Los Angeles, California. But we had super- you mean the size of the Grand Olympic yeah. Auditorium? We had Super Dragon. Oh, I love me some Super Dragon. Uh, Super Dragon defeating Rising Sun, uh, Homeless Jimmy in a three-way dance defeating Dynamite D and Nozawa, Chaos defeating Steve Rosano, Pogo the Clown defeating Johnny Webb, Angel, John Cronus, and Crack defeated Mexico's Most Wanted, Damian 666, Halloween, and Lady Victoria, and then Vic Grimes defeats Supreme, and then in the XBW World Heavyweight title, Sabu defeats the Messiah. Um, Now, uh... Grand Olympic Auditorium, after renovations in the early 90s, uh, sits just over 7,300. In the 2000s, for boxing and wrestling, it says 7,030, so about 7,000. Heat Wave, uh, running in the same building, with an attendance of 5,700. That's still too big, but considering if this was just to build up to the eventual Grimes, New Jack, Scalford match. You need a tall venue for that. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> but again, using a venue with name, using a building that's well-known and just trying to make yourself look a lot bigger than you are with with running these known venues. I I also, like, I find the Lady Victoria booking very interesting. Like, uh, she was... Doing freelance shows in Mexico, and this is her last year in the business. And now this is this is like I, I, I'm sure there's been other Lady Victorias, but uh, this Lady Victoria based out of California, but she mostly works AAA, worked Michinoko Pro as well. Um, but obviously, clearly more on the worker side than the ballet side. Uh, but in this time period, but yeah, um, it, that just just comes out of nowhere and looks like she's she must have came with Damien say in Halloween because she does manage them uh, a little bit future in XBW as well. Yeah, she uh, did. Yeah, she had a few dates and was pretty much done after that. Uh, April 16, 2001, Conan, <laughs> this is for Big Bro Weekly, Conan was billed to appear in the April 21st XBW show, but he almost certainly won't be there. He's still under uh, WCW uh, contract and being paid, and working the show would probably register as a breach. He's not passing up that kind of money to make a couple hundred dollar payoff. Uh, and, and then, and then, and then here's the update here uh, on April 23rd. XPW on its website listed that Conan and Shane Douglas wouldn't be appearing on April 21st show at the Olympic Auditorium in LA because WCW wouldn't allow them to work the show. Just don't tell them. <laughs> but 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 that Major Guns, who was uh, fired by WCW, would be there. There is a chance Conan will appear but not perform at the show. So this is April 2001. Uh, when does the sale go through? Well, the sale went through in March, but yeah. a lot of, but it, but like if WWE doesn't pick up your contract, uh, D- Turner had to pay those contracts out. So, so even the lower level guys, then, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. Every every single person in WWE that had a contract either either had to take a buyout, WWE had to buy their contract out, or they just sat out. And for them, for Conan and Shane Douglas, two guys that WWE wasn't going to be interested in, and two guys that bodies are, their bodies are breaking down even by this point, stay home and collect the money. Both of them were making six figures, so yeah. I kind of agree. Like, why pass up like and, what you're going to be making? And if there was anybody ever more fitting for XBW than Major Guns. <laughs> Uh, um, so yeah, uh, 
I mean, and it's weird because they said Conan could be appear but not perform on the show. So like, it's weird that that that, they, that Turner would even care. Like, don't tell them. Just go do it. I, I'm guaranteed there's guys that did that. Oh, so Conan's most recent contract was signed January 1999. It ended January 14th, 2002. So he still has uh, almost a year left on his contract by this point. And I'm pretty uh, sure he works at IW Puerto Rico later in the year, but I could be wrong. And I'm sure he's working in Mexico. Well, yeah. Guys were working in Mexico in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've talked about that. And Bischoff has brought that up as a podcast. Like, he did, no one knew that on their off days, these the luchadors are still working in Mexico. Result, even though they technically weren't supposed to. and TV weren't, like, as prevalent with that, yeah. Um, but, no, uh, his – yeah, Conan's contract was uh, – Five hundred and seventy thousand for the for the second year, six hundred twenty thousand for the third year. So he's making well over. Yeah, he's fi- making really good money. <laughs> he's not jeopardizing yeah, that. He could do autograph signings and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he could do stuff on the side, but like, yeah, he's not jeopardizing that. Now, was was the Turner lawyers actually paying attention to where these people are working to be like, hey, you violated your deal? Uh, that's that could be open for debate considering how WWs ran, but still, like I, I wouldn't risk it if I was making that much. You bank as much as possible, and I want to say Shane Douglas was around the same. Uh, Douglas just signed a new contract in April two thousand. Uh, the end date was April two thousand two, and he was three hundred fifty thousand for year one, three seventy five for year two. So even at that, he's not—he's not going to risk risk that. Uh, all right, uh, so we're going to get into some uh, f- fun here. Uh, um, so the the Observer does cover the show uh, from April twenty first on April thirtieth, but there's some meat and potatoes before that that we're gonna gonna talk about. Um, April twenty third, two thousand one, Figure Four Weekly. Rob Black and his wife Lizzie Borden were on Comedy Central's The Daily Show last week talking about his bid for the mayor of Los Angeles. Black, a former porn star who now operates XBW, managed to get himself on the ballot since you only need a handful of signatures to do so. Which he probably got at an XBW show. Yep. They never mentioned the wrestling, only porn. Apparently, Black came across as an idiot. And Borden, this is, this is, you said it. It's It's Alvarez. Yeah, this is Alvarez. And Borden came across the dumbest person you will ever see. Wow, they really did not like XPW. Huh? Uh, they asked Black uh, what the capital of Los Angeles was, and he answered Sacramento. Uh, Black almost received 700 votes total, which doesn't uh, sound like much, but it's about what he draws at each XPW show, which is scary when you think about it. If the guy was powerful enough to convince a good number of his hardcore fans to vote for him, think about how many uh, voters would have been swayed by Vince McMahon and his vile attempt to swing the election in George Bush's favor on that infamous Raw. The election ended up being so close that he seriously could have uh, could have meant the difference. So, so the, yeah, the mayor uh, the mayor election was April tenth, and then the runoff election was June fifth. So obviously, he wasn't in the runoff. And but he, <laughs> I have. The results up if you want to read it. Yeah, so um, so getting thirty percent of bonus, but I had to do a runoff. But uh, Antonio Villagrosa got thirty percent. Uh, he he was a Democrat party, another Democrat. James Hahn uh, got twenty five percent of the vote. Uh, 
Then Steve Zabaroff, a Republican, got 21%. And then you had Joel Locks with 11%, Xavier Becerra with 5.9%, um, and Kathleen Connell with uh, 4.2%. Uh, she was like a journalist and academic. And then uh, the independents. Uh, we got Francis uh, Delavecchia, who had got uh, 0.35% of the vote with 1,769. Martin Luther King Aubrey Sr., 965 votes, 19%. Melroy's Larry Green, 860 with 17%. Wendy Lyons with uh, 813.6%. Rob Black, 789 votes. 0.16%. Then uh, he beat out four people. Bob Turr with 656 votes at 0.13%. Joe Shea, um, who uh, started the actual, he was the editor-in-chief of the American Reporter. Uh, the first internet uh, daily news uh, newspaper here. Uh, he, uh, he actually uh, got 645 votes with 0.30%. Addie Mae Miller, 540 votes at 0.1%. And then poor Steve Mazan, 316 votes at 0.06%. Rob Black, I mean, he lost a lot of people on this. Let's not get ourselves. But uh, he defeated four other people. Yeah, I still say that's a that's a good showing for uh, for a primary. Um, and Joe Shea, I mean, he was a libertarian really before libertarians were really a big thing, and he, uh, I mean, he looks like he was a Democrat before because he uh, he oh so he started campaigning to draft you a senator john Kerry, which sought to get the massachusetts center into the 1980 yeah so he wanted john Kerry to run for president um i mean this guy seems like more of a politician than rob black community activist like but he did not like the clinton administration on the censorship law and was featured uh, in a day and elected it. so he hated censorship him and rob black should have ran together <laughs> well yeah he's a Joe Shea was a libertarian, so, yeah. but uh, no idea who Bob Turr, Addie Mae Miller, and uh, Steve Lucino were. I could only think like one of them might be owned a grocery store, another was like a gas station <laughs> attendant. But uh, yeah, uh, James Hahn becomes mayor. Antonio Vigorosa eventually becomes mayor, and then like in the grand scheme of things, on here after the the general election. But uh, yeah, a little interesting footnote there of. Rob Black running for mayor of second biggest city in the country. Yeah. And actually a funny thing about Xavier Becerra, um, he remained a, a member of the United States Congress until his appointment to succeed Kamala Harris as the attorney general of California in 2017. So he even wraps into nowadays. <laughs> some, some, where are they now? Uh, knowledge there. Yeah. For, for, uh, for, for this, but yeah, I mean, it's Los Angeles, so 789 votes in Los Angeles is nothing. And, and Alvarez put, brings up the point. Well, the to, in the total votes, 499,000, so you had half a million people voting. So, yeah, again, it's point, 0.16%. Uh, so it's not that much. I uh, Daily Show 2001, um, I mean, this is probably early, like, John Stewart, like, being as good and witty when he's really starting to blow up yeah he uh, just he just recently took over the show about a year beforehand i'd imagine he's probably like wait you, you you're giving me what like a guy ran for mayor who runs a port suit and he owns a wrestling company he probably loved that yeah <laughs> and he goes wait his wife's a porn star <laughs> like, 
like yeah i'm sure i'm, I'm sure he, he enjoyed that that, that very much that i'm material. i'm dying to know if rob black did any local stuff like was there any like local public interest or public interest story tv shows like an am buffalo type thing or like a a good morning la just a weird one-off talk shows only in the la market did he like make the rounds yeah you, you would think i mean maybe the radio stations at least you would think he he would have been i on. mean know your audience hit like the the alternative radio stations the classic rock stations like hit those try to get the try to get the demo I'm intrigued to see if footage of this is out there. Uh, problem is, when you look up Rob Black Daily Show, you get a lot of Lewis Black stuff. That that's the that's the problem. So if we can somehow find that, or you have that, maybe it's on Daily Most or some one of the listeners out there, let us know. I'd like to put that on the social media. Um, I think that'd be pretty cool. To, like, did he ever? Was he ever on Good Day LA? I want to know that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, they, like, did Jillian Barbary ever interview him? Oh, Jill, yes, yeah, yeah, Jillian Barbary and Rob Black. Oh man, yeah, it, it's uh, yeah, he ran for mayor, folks. People don't talk about that. He ran for mayor. Um, we got a uh, note from uh, April. Uh, we have two notes here. April thirtieth. Uh, this one's for Figure Four Weekly. Combat Zone Wrestling, one of the many groups looking to become the next ECW, is looking to run a two-day junior tournament in Sewell, New Jersey on May 18th and May 19th. Nothing has been confirmed as of press time. XPW posted the following on his website last week. Due to circumstances beyond our control, Conan or the franchise... Neither Conan or franchise. Yeah, either Conan or franchise will appear at scene of the crime. The WCW legal department is pulling a power move and not letting any other talent work for any other federations until they are cleared of their current contracts. It's not a power move. <laughs> they shouldn't have told WCW. They're not going to check in on that. They want it out of it. <laughs> both Conan and the franchise, uh, both Conan and the franchise received calls from WCW legal this week, saying if they appeared at the XPW show this weekend, they would be in full breach of their contract and legal action would be taken. This is a sad attempt by WCW to try to hold back its talent from working and keeping the wrestlers' names in the public eye. They have no reason to pull a power move, but for some reason they are. We feel this is a sad attempt to show their wrestlers that they still have control. Well, they they do have a reason. Well, this is, this is Alvarez now. Yeah, yes, yeah. This is this is Alvarez. Yeah. Well, they do have a reason to pull a power move. They're paying these guys huge money every week and don't want them out making additional money on top of working indie dates. Plus, with guys like Conan and Shane Douglas, who they know WWF has little or no interest in, they're looking for any possible breach so they can fire these guys and get all those big contracts. If Time Warner were smart, then they wouldn't make any legal threats and simply terminate these guys when they breach their deals. And I agree with Alvarez on that. Just let them do it and they go, hey, you breached your contract. Yeah. Like, why warn them? Because they were trying, uh, Time Warner was trying to get guys to, to get out, like, to uh, agree to a release at, like, 30 cents on the dollar. And it raised over time when I to where I think, like, when Hall and Nash and Hogan asked when they signed their releases they were getting like 70 cents on the dollar or something but yeah like i i question if wcw actually did contact xpw or contacted the talent and maybe conan and shane douglas just told xpw yeah we don't want to breach us and xpw xpw always seems like the fed that they have to make an enemy out of someone and 
it makes more sense instead of saying we didn't have all all of our ducks in a row for this that we that it was WCW's fault not our fault it was WCW's fault that you didn't you're not getting the people that we promised but yeah it, it seems like again I don't I don't know if Time Warner was smart enough to actually be actively looking at all these indie dates even during this era which is the internet's still pretty young well, I can't see how they were concerned they were. I'm sh- I mean, I agree with Elvers that maybe they wanted guys to breach their contract because they could be completely done with WCW as an entire whole. But but they wouldn't get any of that added money, like we said. Like, a lot of them still had over a year left on their deal. Yeah, but, like, I can't see them scouring through or, or you know, catch trying to catch guys. Like, are they going to hire someone or they have one of their people go, your job is to see if these guys are working elsewhere? Like I just can't see that. No, they didn't. They didn't care. And and, and and when it comes to somebody like Conan or Shane Douglas, like you know, maybe XBW was was the wrong move. But but I'm sure they're working elsewhere. Uh, like, yes, Conan in April of 2001. Conan's working WWC in Puerto Rico. There you go. He's working WWC up until May. Then nothing again until August, and August he starts an XPW, which we'll eventually get to that. So, but it, and then Conan also worked WWA in Australia when that when WWA started and then XWF tapings. So Conan probably did eventually get a release. Shane Douglas doesn't appear in anywhere until 2002, so he he held to it. I don't blame him. Yeah, <laughs> even though like Conan was making a lot more money and. Uh, but Shane Douglas is a smart businessman. He's going to hold out. Um, let's see here. Uh, so on April 3rd, this is from The Observer now, uh, 2001. XBW ran its April 21st show at the Olympic Auditorium in Los Angeles. About 1,000 fans were seen to the crime. Basic cluster with mic work before and after every match and running finishes just about every match. Super Dragon and Rising Sun of Rev Pro uh, were in the opener and said they'd look good, being by far the best match on the show. New Jack and Major Guns got the ma- biggest pops, and then a few of the guys looked good, but a lot came crosses came across as amateurish. Cebu beat the Messiah in a cage match for the main event. And we uh, have our next, and it's very, uh, we have our next, uh, there's nothing in the Observer until after covering the next show that we're going to talk about, which is May 26, 2001. That's XPW Redemption at the Olympic Auditorium in Los Angeles, California. A classic indie wrestling Mm -hmm. fed name or show name. Excalibur and Super Dragon. Defeating Rising Sun and Alto Toro Jr. I I want Tony Schiavone to be like, we're here with XPW alum Excalibur. We have uh, Dynamite D uh, defeating Crack with Angel. Nozawa defeating Dynamite D. Pogo the Clown defeating John Cronus. Lady Victoria defeating Angel. Uh, Steve Rosano uh, with GQ Money, TJ Rush, and Veronica Kane defeating Homeless Jimmy. Uh, too bad Buddy Rose isn't there anymore. Uh, Supreme defeating Vic Grimes. Shaggy Too Dope and Vampiro defeating Mexico's Most Wanted. Damien Sissese in Halloween with Lady Victoria. Lizzie Borden defeating Major Guns. Uh, in a death match, Chaos defeating Johnny Webb. And then in the main event for the x World Heavyweight title, the Messiah with Lizzie Borden and Rob Black defeat New Jack, who was a replacement for Sabu. And it was a title change. 
uh, as Messiah is a new champion. I don't, um, I don't know if replacing Sabu with New Jack is good or bad. <laughs> um, how about just Shaggy Doo Doo? Where is Violent J? I, I, your guess is as good as mine. I'm looking at that too. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we get some insight in the next necessary on that. But like, I don't know if I've ever. I'm sure when they ran Juggalo Championship Wrestling, they worked singles matches. But I can't think of like anywhere else that they would have just one of them would have worked. Maybe WCW, but like, no, I don't even think that. Yeah, no, I, I can't. Think I mean, still so tag match. They're the insane clown posse. They got to be together. <laughs> your your entire world is collapsing right now. By the way, the insane clown posse has almost worked in every major promotion. I think what they just they've never been a Ring of Honor. Uh, and, and they haven't popped up in AEW. Have they ever been in Ring of Honor? Maybe they were. I don't know. I don't know. If they... Okay, now I'm looking. <laughs> yes. uh, we are one day going to do a Juggalo Championship Wrestling show because it, what it, it is fascinating. Wait, what is what is PCW? PCW is Professional Championship Wrestling in Arlington, Texas. Uh, in March of 2002, Sabu beats the Dopper Ganger. Two words. Which is actually Shaggy Two Dope. So Shaggy Two Dope just the, he he wrestled a random match with Sabu in two thousand two. A giant star is just doing a random. <laughs> um. Other than that, and then the match we're talking about tagging with Vampiro. Uh. Everything else, yeah. Like, uh. There's six man tags with Vampiro. He's a uh, Ian Rotten, a six man tag. Um. Yeah, everything is. Uh, yeah, it, it, that's this is that's still fascinating. Like, in, in 1999, for Future Wrestling Alliance in Palo Alto, Alto Pennsylvania, uh, August 99, uh, he defeated Shaggy Tudor defeated that skinny kid, who I don't know anything else about, whose nickname was Giant Killer and Motherfucking, who <laughs> <laughs> from Detroit. <laughs> So I don't know anything about that skinny kid, but uh, on that show though, was Violent J on that show though? Can you look at that? Yeah, let me look. Because if if Violent J's on these shows, it kind of makes sense that they maybe do. You know, let's do work singles tonight, you know, especially if we're an indie. But like, this is just weird. No, Shaggy Tudo with Danny Rose and Violent J. Okay, defeated that, that skinny sense. kid with Dan Moreland and Mass Negotiator. So maybe Violent J just didn't want to work. Oh, Rob Noxious was on the show. Rob of Noxious, course. yeah. Reckless. Oh, the main event: Mike Quackenbush, the FWA Heavyweight Champion. Defeats Reckless Youth. So, uh... That is that is a show, man. That Earl is, the Pearl was on this show. Earl like, the Pearl! Is, there's, there's, some, there's some names on this random show. That was in, a Northeast cluster. Well, let's just take everybody from the Northeast to the Midwest and put them on a show. Where's King Kong Bundy? <laughs> Where is Palo Alto, Pennsylvania? Not like... I, I've only ever heard of Palo Alto, California in my life. Yeah, I, I had no fucking clue. Palo Alto, Pennsylvania. I don't even think that even comes up. It doesn't exist. Oh, no, it does. It's uh, it is next to Mechanicsville. Okay. Which, uh, south of Wilkes, like halfway between Harrisburg and Scranton. Okay. So, yeah. like, it's kind of like the midway point between Har- like on a triangle. It's like the Har- middle point of Harrisburg, Allentown, and Scranton. So it's, so in the middle of nowhere, but it's definitely the territory for like all of the guys I've mentioned. Yeah. Oh. 
Like if you're if you're saying where's so obviously it's Rob Noxious's license too, <laughs> if you look at it. Um, yeah, so maybe Violent J just showed up. He's like, um, I slept wrong. I'm not <laughs> I just left on my side. Like I'm not wrestling. I'll just I'll just manage you. Um, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, <laughs> especially if you're still getting the same payday. All right, so uh, let's go to the Observer notes about it. It's from the June 4th Observer. Uh, so, um, and and uh, I already went over the results there, so we don't have to go into too, too much detail there. But uh, XPW ran uh, May 26th at the Olympic uh, in Los Angeles, drawing about 1,000 fans for our main event with Masai over New Jack to win the XPW title. Sabu was the champion but was announced as being injured, actually touring all Japan. <laughs> so Would they, you rather say he's touring all Japan? And then not do. Like, hey, Messiah, if you beat New Jack, then you get Sabu. Like, but I think it's more, it, it would mean more to say he's torn, our champion is torn all Japan instead of saying our champ's injured. You could even say, like, I know the internet's kind of a thing here, but you could say he's defending the XBW title in Japan. Like, you know. Yeah, it means a little bit more. <laughs> so they announced that New Jack would be defending the title for Sabu, and he lost it for him. New Jack uh, did a dive off the balcony at the Olympic which is very high, although nowhere close to 35 feet claimed onto uh, uh, Vic Grimes. Reports on the show, which include Vampiro, ICP, Major Guns, Halloween, and Damien as the top stars, uh, were that Revolution Pro match, where which opened the show, blew everything uh, on the show, with everyone raving about Super Dragon and Rising Sun in particular. Vampiro and Shaggy versus Halloween and Damien was said to be okay, and everything else was said to be something less than that. The same night in El Monte, California, FMLL drew its smallest crowd to date with about 600 fans, with the show headline Bell Mill Mascaris and Tenebles Jr. over Lismark, uh, or and Lismark, I'm sorry, over Rey Mysterio and Blue Panther and Poison. They had drawn an estimated 10,000 just three weeks earlier for a free show, so it was way too soon to come back with a paid show after that. Still there, uh, talking about returning either June 16th or June 23rd. So Lucha Note was just kind of thrown in there. There, um, very close just, just the fact itself. that, like, yeah, just the fact that they ran the same night nearby and still, like, it, it, if they drew ten thousand people three weeks earlier, even though it was a free show, like, I, if I was working at XPW, I'd kind of feel worried about that. Like, this fed that drew ten thousand people is running nearby. Like how how nearby actually? Let me let me look because El Monte, California. Like we've talked about it before. Like some things, especially in major cities, like twenty miles could be two hours. And by the way, if people want to say that Dave just in the last few years just started hyping up the California guys and that style, like this is two thousand one. He's saying Super Dragon, Excalibur, all these guys that would start PWG. Yeah, he would fall in love with and the Bucks and Omega and all like. He's saying it in 2001. It is is actually, it's 19 miles, but it actually is a little over 20 minutes away. So, yeah, technically. I was 20 minutes away, so you're running, which that's still impressive for indie wrestling back then. And any day you have two feds that are running 20 minutes away from each other. It doesn't matter what size of the city it is. You have one drawing 1,000, another drawing 600. Still pretty impressive. Now, uh, June 5th, 2001, figure four weekly, Nicole Bass's lawsuit against the WWF is still ongoing. She's suing them for sexual harassment and alleged injury she received after Jeff Jarrett supposedly hit her with an ungimmicked guitar. WWF lawyer subpoenaed Rob Lack of XBW, who will apparently testify that Bass was working for him and taking bumps during the time she claimed she was injured. 
The what defense would like to bring in adult entertainment mogul and owner of XPW, Rob Black. Oh, and former mayoral candidate of Los Angeles. Yeah, he has to be announced as former mayoral candidate. You, you I, think, I, that's probably how they brought him up to the thing. Former mayoral candidate. And, and just thinking, Jerry McDivitt has to put over Rob Black as a as a as an honorable witness. This is man. There's so much good stuff here. This is why this is these are this episode's been broken up into a couple parts because there's so many little. Just to be, you would never think in a million years that WWE, that WWE would call Rob Black as a witness in a lawsuit. Yep, and and, and, and that happened. That that's a more you know right there. Get out the little star. Um. <laughs> All right, here. So then uh, we have a July 7th, 2001 show, and this is at the uh, Grand Olympic Auditorium in Los Angeles, California. We have uh, Tokyo Garanti, uh, Kikuzawa and Nozawa defeating Mexico's Most Wanted, Damien Sisse in Halloween. That's probably an awesome match. Uh, two-on-one handicap, Johnny Webb uh, defeating GQ Money and TJ Rush. Uh, and a bra and panties match because it's 2001, Lady Victoria defeating Angel. Uh, Liz- Lizzie Borden uh, and Major Guns went to a no contest. The Sandman uh, defeated Vic Grimes. New Jack defeated Homeless Jimmy. Chaos and Supreme went to a no contest. Two no contests on the same show. Uh, and then XPW Heavyweight title, uh, The Messiah defeated Sabu and Vampiro. Remember, they did a lot of no contests almost every match in the <laughs> beginning. So just two on this show. Just, um, just, just keep it alive. And Sabu's back here, so why couldn't you hold off for a month? Why couldn't you just say, hey, Sabu's touring the title in Japan. But you know what, Messiah? You got to beat New Jack. Rob Licks. Like, uh, Unless Sabu was like adamant about not returning or they didn't think they could afford him. But still, like it's one show. Like Stretch it out a little bit. There's, there's, there's indie feds that strap names or top indie guys that only work for them like three times a year. Yeah. I mean, Hurricane was an ESW tag team champion. <laughs> He, he made he made three appearances. Yes. <laughs> Never came back to drop it. All right, so uh, um, now uh, into into Figure Four Weekly, July sixteenth, two thousand one. XPW wrestler Supreme suffered suffered serious burns during a match gone awry at a, at a show this weekend. He was scheduled to take a bump through a burning table. Already, this sounds stupid, but it gets worse. This is, once again, from Brian Alvarez. Uh, Who's obviously very opinionated. Yes. Veronica Kane, a local porn star who was the person who was supposedly supposed to light the table on fire. The first mistake was giving her charcoal fluid instead of regular lighter fluid as the former doesn't burn up as fast. She ended up spraying too much fluid on the table, so much, in fact, that they had trouble even lighting it at first. Haven't they learned about lighting things? <laughs> and th- and that's and that's the thing that like fans don't understand. There is a science to a lot of this. And th- right there, that point of being you know, like, don't use charcoal fluid. Use litter fluid. And litter fluid does it burns. It it burns really quickly, but it immediately burns off. Yeah. So it's not like if you light a fire with litter fluid and throw someone through it, that fire is gonna dissipate really really fast. Uh, Supreme uh, took the bump first and. Uh... And it pretty much ignited. The person on hand with the fire extinguisher immediately put it on fire. Thank God he was there as there was no telling what would have happened to this table. Uh, <laughs> as this fool... <laughs> as, as the fool was stuffling out the table fire, Supreme continued to run around in circles, making the fire on his body even worse. Finally, they get around to putting the fire on in Supreme, who at this point is in really bad shape. They rush him to the hospital and the show continued, which angered uh, many fans. At least those who stayed, many of them walked out. 
Rob Black, who runs the group and probably would be the guy to put the kibosh on the show, was busy backstage trying to talk to Sabu into doing a job in the main event. Witnesses in the arena said it smelled like burnt flesh throughout the rest of the show. Supreme suffered burns on 15 to 20% of his body and likely will be out of the hospital for at least a week. Uh, XBW, which is all about the fans, was classy enough to put footage of the incident on their website Tuesday night. ICP was supposed to work the show, but Pogo the Clown cracked Violent J with a kendo stick and an angle to open up the show, so both clowns got pissed and walked out. <laughs> pissed off the ICP. Yeah, like, and they're the, 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 they seem like they're game for anything. Like, um, there's a lot here. <laughs> Uh, obviously it's a fire table spot going awry, but then like he's, he's running around on fire. Like, I mean, like, I, I don't want to be disrespectful, but like I, the thing that comes to mind is like either. Curly from the three stooges doing the, the running around in a, in, in a circle on the floor. Oh, and then, uh, again, like that's why you don't get charcoal fluid. That's why you get lighter fluid. And then Rob Black's just, he's just trying to get Sebu to take to a job. Like, did someone run up to Rob Black? Like, hey, Supreme's on fire. And Rob Black, I, <laughs> I, I don't, he's telling someone, go, just go deal with it. I got to talk to Sabu and jobbing out. <laughs> like, was it, like, Sabu's not the champion at that point, so just ended a no contest or double disqualification like you always do. So, you know, they've lost the TV deal. They've moved out of the LA Sports Arena. But they're still, I mean, they're still drawing for an independent not bad numbers, but do you think this is the beginning of the end? Because those fans did not like that. That that, he, that I mean, fans walked out or were upset they didn't end the show. And then imagine it smelling like burnt flesh the whole rest of the show. Like that's <laughs> gross. <laughs> like how bad was the uh, ventilation system in the Grand Grand Olympic Auditorium? I I I think it could be, but also like as we've seen during other uh, previous episodes of like. To an APW, where 2001 just seemed to be a down period for a lot of fans. Yeah. So, like, I think that could have had a hand in it, too. I'm not saying this helped, but it definitely didn't benefit them. Oh. So, we'll, we'll move on to August of 2005, 2001, where uh, XPW ran XPW Damage Incorporated at the Grand Olympic. You would think the Grand Olympic Authority may kick him out after that. But you had a guy running around and fired a arena. They were probably just desperate for people. Like, because Grand Olympic Auditorium eventually sold to uh, to a church, I believe. Okay. Yeah, there were there were a music venue until 2005. So, like, if there were a music venue, like, what music was running there? Like, I would assume probably stuff that. All right. Uh, Rage Against the Machine played their final show in September 2000 at the Olympic Auditorium before breaking up. So they're getting that type of fan base. Like they, the auditorium doesn't care. Yeah. yeah. Like they're getting rowdy fans. And in June 2005, the Glory Church of Jesus Christ, a Korean-American Christian church, purchased the entire property. So they were probably, in 2000, 2001, the owners of the venue were probably just trying to make any money they could and trying to get out. I don't blame them. Um, we, uh, so, yeah, is XBW Damage Incorporated. Um and then this is, uh, like I said, Grand Olympic Tournament in Los Angeles. We have an XPW television title tournament, Ash. And in the first round, it was a three-on-one gauntlet where Chaos defeated the Enterprise. GQ Money, Steve Rosano and TJ Rush with Veronica Kane. As we talked about at GQ Money, 
would end up being Ryan Katz, NXT producer. <laughs> so uh, we have XPW television title uh, first round where Dynamite D defeated John Cronus, Vic Grimes defeated Leroy, Conan defeated Johnny Webb, Chaos defeating Dynamite D, Conan defeated, I'm sorry, in the second round, Chaos defeated Dynamite D and Conan defeated Vic Grimes. And an eight man battle royal. New Jack defeated Angel, Damian Sissisay, Halloween, Homeless Jimmy Crack, Nazawa, and Pogo the Clown in the XBW uh, television title tournament final. Chaos with Supreme uh, defeated Conan. And then XBW World Heavyweight title, Loser leaves XBW tag match. Uh, jo- Johnny Webb and Rob Black with Lizzie Borden become XBW tag team champions, defeating Josh Lazy and Sabu. Um, Rob Black. Or, 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 like, well, Johnny Webb, I'm sorry, Johnny Webb becomes the heavyweight title, but Rob Black basically won the world heavyweight title in a tag match. And I hate this. Do you hate, I hate tag matches where, oh, if this team wins, this guy becomes a world champion. I don't like those. This is my personal preference. I, I think it's just a runaround way of getting the title off of someone without jobbing. Or just having some kind of ch- chicanery to explain a title change, so, so a champion can say that they didn't lose cleanly. So when you talk about wrestling promoters, right, and usually the wrestling promoters where it doesn't work out, it usually file goes with a chain of events. First off, thinking you're bigger than what you are, <laughs> and then losing a lot of money and doing promotional tactics to try to make that money. So, XBW, thinking of bigger they are, running the sports arena. Promotional tactics. Going on a daily show, trying to run for mayor. And then you get involved with the actual product on screen. Wrestling and matches. This cycle has been followed by so many promoters that have not worked out. What I just described is exactly what Herb Abrams did. This also isn't an indication of AEW. We're not saying that. No, 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 no. If Tony Khan becomes a character and anything beyond impact. Like, I don't think a... he's had, like, a ridiculous promotional. No, no. no. Not yet. Not yet. No. Not yet. Um, no. Nor was he painting them bigger than what they are. I, th- I think they are exactly what I thought they would be. You know. Yeah, I, no. I wouldn't put Tony. No, no, no we like Tony Khan. No, no. we like Tony Khan. He is not. He is not. Like, Herb Abrams and Rob Black. Is a good comparison yes. here. And yes, there's a lot of different parallels. Rob Black seems to be a better human being than her papers <laughs> by a lot of bounds. But it the desperation. Oh, well, you know what's gonna make me make money? I'm gonna win. I'm gonna I'm gonna be on TV and I'm gonna wrestle and oh, it's it it just happens. Every, every promotion that's failed, it's happened. I mean, look at Vince Russo on WSW. It happens. Yeah. You put yourself on television. You become a major part of the show. And I mean, yes, this is not television, but it, you become a major part of the product. Um, yeah. So, uh, and it's the whole idea of making the office, making management of a company be the heels and something like WWE has done and consistently done for 20 years, I think. I followed the Lance Storm way of thinking where Lance Storm explained it once a few years ago. It made perfect sense where why guys in WWE don't get over. Uh, guys that WWE want to get over like a Roman Reigns. Um, because 
guys, the wrestling fans can clearly see that this is who the office, who the management is pushing as the next top guy, because you spend all this time building up the office as being heels and being the bad guys. And I see that you could see that you'd see that to an extent on the indie scene too. When you have, when you have people that you have the owner of a company and everyone knows they're, they're the owner of the company, their heels going out there. Like it makes it hard for fans to support the company and get behind wrestlers at the company. The machine is pushing. So like Rob Black now is the owner of the company and he's blatantly a heel. And now he's like, wrestling. Yeah. So, and you knowing like money you're giving to this, putting into this company by buying tickets is supporting the heel in the company. Like the old school mentality. Are, are there fans out there? They're saying like, I don't want my money going to the bad guys. So not to go, not to go too far off track in this and turn this into like a, a comp, more of a deep conversation on this topic, but one of the things that Vince McMahon did differently than all these other guys than Herb Abrams and Vince Russo and Rob Black and I mean you can go on and on and on. Like one of the things they did differently was he was willing to make himself look like an idiot. He was willing to take losses. He was willing to be embarrassed. Like all these other guys were like on top. Like or they you know, they they were the top guy. Like, yeah, Herb Abrams gets beat up by whatever that general guy is and he cuts that crazy promo yeah. but then he obviously gets his revenge he gets his crazy promo like i don't know like like obviously there was times where vince was a champion and won the rumble i mean i get that but there was always that debate where like vince is the boss but whenever they whenever something got way out of hand linda would show up and and be the true boss checks and balances yeah and 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 and, and you don't really see that with a lot of these where these promoters go you know what i need to be involved with the show yeah and that's that's yeah that's the thing like rob black now who's going to be the counter to rob black is the other baby face like is you know on a storyline with someone else buying 50 percent of the company yeah. like, well, like that's the issue and a lot of that's that comes up again like a lot of indie feds fall into that trap even to this day where the owner of the fed or the person that the person that portrays the owner is is on the shows, even if it's a wrestler, a lot of that's ego. And we've worked for a lot of feds. I've done that too. Like the owner of the company is a wrestler and he's actually announced publicly as the owner. He posts on social media as the owner and it's, it creates a glaring hole in storylines with that. Like, well, if he's the owner, he just lost the title. Why don't he just reschedule? Like, why don't he just strip that guy of the title and put it on himself? Like it opens up a lot of, questions because there's no checks and balances i will i'll make this point too about this if you're a wrestling promoter right you start a company i'm starting a company today right can i get booked (laughs) of course but say i'm starting a company today and i don't think that i should be on the first show no you know what I, i i'm just gonna book behind the scenes and help out why would you think any time down the line that you being added to the card would help attendance? If you personally didn't think that you would on your first show where everybody wants to have that draw, that first draw be amazing. Like, like there's, Oh no, this first show we're going to like, nobody goes, 
yeah, you know, uh, I don't want a big, I don't expect a huge draw on this one. It's an, I mean, logistically, yes, you build up an audience, but everybody on their first show wants, I mean, so many promotions now, like indie promotions have names on their first show. Like, hey, debut show with Greg the Hammer Valentine or Tonka or whatever. Like, I, so if you don't think you were important enough to go on the first show, now three years down the line, you're losing money. Why would you think you would be the draw? Like, oh, oh, but you know what? If you're on TV or you're on the show, <laughs> oh, man, it's going to pack. Oh, well, that, that's the guy that's the owner. Like, it doesn't work like that. I, from personal experience, working for a lot of bad indie feds over the years, uh, I think some of it, I'm not saying this is Rob Black, but I'm saying, like, some of that mentality I've seen is an owner of the company getting annoyed that the talent isn't doing exactly what they think they should do in matches and getting over and are micromanaging stuff too much where they have that mentality of uh fuck it i'm i'm better than all these people that i know what i want better than anyone else so i'm gonna go out there and do what i what i believe is gonna draw me money and that is i've seen that time and time again in the indies and I think that's a good determination for a lot of cases too, where it's just the owner just being like, eh, "I I can do it in my mind. I in their mind, they believe they could do it better than anyone else." My thing is, if you don't have that mindset in the beginning, you know, you really shouldn't have that mindset years later. You know, and it's another thing if their business is doing great and you want to be part of it. I mean, great, but that yeah, you know what's going to save my draw? I do this, and you can tell. <laughs> Like, this is, you know, it's not publicly put out here in the Observer or the Figure Four Weekly, but XPW was starting to go off the rails. <laughs> they, they were. And, and, yeah. And, and they, oh, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna get in there. Um, so we have some uh, notes here. We'll start with the Observer, September 3rd, 2001. Uh, XPW ran in August 25th, the Olympic Auditorium in Los Angeles for its two-year anniversary show. They did an eight-man tournament, which came down to Kid Chaos, pinning Conan, who had beat Johnny Webb and Vic Grimes earlier in the finals. Uh, Psychosis did a surprise run-in on the show, and Conan, uh, Psychosis, Halloween, Damian, and Juventud Guerrero were apparently forming a Mexican group in the company. Promoter Rob Black and porn star uh, Tom Byron were telling people, uh, or telling the wrestlers that they were about to get a major TV deal. So apparently Hoovy's trying to repair that relationship. Um, Hoovy just wants work. Yeah. Also, the same day, September 3rd, 2001, WrestlingVixens.com has signed a deal to do videotapes and will be adding Christy Mist has done porn and also worked for XPW to the crew. And then uh, we have a XPW uh, note here September 10th from Figure Four Weekly, 2001. XPW champion Messiah, who was fired last week, debuted for the Millennium Pro Wrestling on September 1st. Uh, And then uh, that very interesting there, Messiah being fired. Um, which I'm and again, sure. they didn't run any shows in all of no. November or uh, all of September, so that is quite weird. Um, we have a a note here. Uh, let's see here, right? October thirteenth. Well, October thirteenth, two thousand and uh, and uh, one. Uh, here we got a show here at the Pico Riviera Sports Arena in Pico Riviera, California. We got Dynamite D defeating. Scott Snot 
Angel defeating GQ Money. Mexico's Most Wanted, Dame Sissé in Halloween, defeating Giant Cronus and Crack. Pogo the Clown defeating Steve Rosano. Ubuntu Guerrero defeating Psychosis. So much for being in a faction. Damien Steele <laughs> defeating Conan. Damien Steele popping up back out of nowhere. Uh, and then the XPW Television title, Chaos defeating New Jack. XPW World Tyreway title, uh, Johnny Webb defeats Leroy. And, and, uh, and it's just Leroy. I was seeing if he was anybody else. Just Leroy. Uh, and then uh, XPW World Heavyweight title, three-way dance, Johnny Webb defeats Sandman and Vampiro. And then the XBW King of the Deathmatch titles, an exploding ring match. No, we couldn't get Onita. Couldn't get Terry Funk. We got Supreme defeating Vic Grimes. So as I'm looking to Pico Rivera, still suburban LA. I mean, I don't know what considered suburban, but directly east of LA. All right, uh, so moving on to October 22nd, 2001. Uh, uh, this is from The Observer. XPW ran what was billed as the first exploding ring match ever in the U.S. on October 13th in Pico Riviera, California, before 900 fans with Supreme beating Vic Grimes from what was reported as a really bad match, but with insane bumps, as well as Grimes taking a German suplex on the light tubes that ribbed his arm into shreds and a crowd really into legit brutality. Uh, it it was said Grimes sold a pumpkin shot to the head. I guess near Halloween, right? More than any, more than he sold any of the explosions after the. That's match. a worker right there. Yeah, after the match, they did the big blow up in the ring explosion. But instead of Supreme selling it, he got up and celebrated. Should should have called Eddie Kingston. <laughs> their their world champ, White Trash and Johnny Webb won a three way over Sandman and Vampiro when Sandman did the job. Also on the undercard were Conan who put over Damian Steele clean with his finisher, New Jack, who did his customary dive from high places, and Juventud Guerrero pinning psychosis, which was marred by fans throwing tons of chairs over the barricade and security going crazy and fans watching security instead of the match. Uh, Pico Riviera, California was a bad idea to run, huh? <laughs> this crowd is rowdy. Wow. Um, well, again, I say suburban, but, like, it's Los Angeles. It's all Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, another XBW show here from, and there's no observer or figure for weekly notes about this. November 24, 2001, XBW Retribution event at the Grand Olympic Auditorium in Los Angeles. Dynamite D defeating Leroy. Super Dragon with Excalibur defeating Disco Machine with American Wild Child. Uh, XBW uh, television title Chaos with GQ Money defeats Bogo the Clown. In a three-way dance, Preston Scott defeats Angel and GQ Money. Vic Grimes defeats Psychosis, and a loser leaves XBW match. Conan defeats Damian Steele with Lady Victoria. Uh, Two-on-one handicap, Angel and Crack defeated Juventud Guerrera. XBW uh, King of the Death match uh, title, Supreme defeated Steve Rosano. And XBW World Heavyweight title match, Johnny Webb defeats Excalibur. Um, And it has in quotation marks Kevin Kleinrock, but not with Kevin Kleinrock. Wonder if he was doing the Excalibur gimmick. Uh, and because uh, we don't have any notes from the observer on this, and then yeah, there... because on Cage Match Excalibur is not, it's yeah. not a clickable link. Yeah, so, so... Kevin Clyde Rock poses Excalibur things you learn. Um, and then someone it... tweet at Excalibur. <laughs> yeah, and, and do, you, do you remember Kevin Clyde Rock using your gimmick for this? Uh, and an XPW, and then he had another World Heavyweight Title match. Uh, Johnny Webb with Rob Black defeating the Sandman. 
with Major Guns. Major Guns, Forgotten Ballet of the Sand. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and there's 2001, which has been a crazy 2001. <laughs> For for uh, for XBW, here. yeah, they basically they took the holidays off. Yeah, and then now uh, uh, looks like don't hear to, to 2002. Now the Messiah stuff, I know I'm getting ahead of myself. That's in the notes later, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I want to make sure because he's fired here. So the 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 the, the infamous Messiah story, which uh, we're gonna get into a little bit. It's so. August uh, 2002. Okay, all right. So. So we're at January 2002. So, yeah. but it spilled up. Like he was, he was fired from the company in uh, late August 2001. So it's about a year build up. Um, we're uh, going January uh, 12th, uh, 2002 here at it's XPW New Year's Revolution two. Um, see, WWE stole that, stole another uh, gimmick there, uh, another, another uh, show name. Then uh, at Grand Olympic Auditorium in Los Angeles, California. Just joking, allegedly, but I mean, this is the second name now. <laughs> uh, we have New Jack and Vic Grimes going to it. No contest. XBW Television title three-way dance. Chaos defeated Nosawa in Psychosis. XBW King of the Death match title in another three-way dance. Supreme defeating Dynamite D and Scott Snot. Uh, we have a battle royal where GQ Money won the battle royal. Conan and Salmon went to a no contest. And then uh, XBW World Heavyweight title, Johnny Webb and Vampiro went to a time limit draw. Wow. You give the fans two no contests and a time limit draw. As a fan, I'd be like, can we get winners to this? Like, oh, and, and I wonder what he was paying, like Sabu and New Jack and Vampiro and like Sandman, like Conan. Like he always had that those those top names, and I don't think people ever realize that with XBW either. Yeah, um, it's it's hard it's hard to like use today's dollars back then, especially because in the in the nineties, like we have a general idea of what what's a fair price for an indie name? What's a fair price for a former ECW or WWE, WCW name uh, at this point? But it was vastly different in the 90s. Like, you could get a King Kong Bundy for $250, $300, maybe even cheaper in the 90s, when during the wrestling boom of the late 2000s, the indie boom in the mid to late 2000s, you're paying 750 or a grand or more for that same guy that would have been a few hundred dollars. Just because wrestling's hot, so at this point, who really knows? Uh, well, obviously the talent, Rob Black, don't. But uh, it's hard to quantify like what Sandman was getting, what Sandman gets now, what Sandman was getting ten years ago compared to what he was getting twenty years ago. Um, obviously, a flight. Yeah, at least at least he's getting a flight. So we'll say that maybe a few hundred. I'm sure the party scene was great for these guys. They're like, oh yeah, you know. Uh, so. Uh, in January 21st, 2002, in the Observer, uh, Dave reports, uh, XBW drew its uh, usual crowd of 1,000 at the uh, January 12th Olympic in Los Angeles. Same show literally being booked uh, as the show went on. Uh, the show was built around the idea of a former WCW or WF champion's shocking appearance, an announcement that would change wrestling forever. Fans were furious when the show ended and no such person nor announcement appeared or took place. 
That wouldn't be the first time for this group who has copied one of the worst ideas WCW had. Uh, what did they say about those that don't learn from history? Usually they end up as wrestling bookers. Wow. New Jack took a bump through eight tables uh, in a match with Vic Grimes. Grimes also uh, stapled his balls. Uh, Jack was backstage talking about it being hurt. He took punishment and has taken enough punishment uh, than he should be. But uh, Sandman was joking as he was writhing in pain backstage that Jack does this every show. Uh, Sandman, no contest. Uh, um, Conan, when Psychosis, Halloween, and Damien all attacked Sandman. Uh, Chris Hamrick debuted on the show. I don't think he ever held the WCW WF title, although he looked great. And then the main event saw Johnny Webb defeating uh, or defending the XBW title with yet again, it's another mystery opponent who turned out to be Vampiro. And they did a time limit draw ringing the bell just as Vampiro had the two count with his Michinoko uh, driver finisher. Vampiro challenged Black to a cage match for ownership of the company. Well, here we go uh, for, for the next show, which is not a planned match on the next show or an angle booked <laughs> at a time, but, sip, but something simply Vampiro did itself on a spur moment. See, Vampiro knew there needed to be a foil. Um, not, not to say that they won't follow up on it. Evan Courageous was backstage and not being not used. Poor Evan Courageous. <laughs> they couldn't fit him on this. Shane Douglas was also backstage and not used. Uh, Douglas is still under contract with Time Warner, which is why he didn't appear on the show. Now, um, now was now. I'm wondering, like, was Douglas living out in L.A. or was he out there for business? Because why would he just fly out there to hang out? Unless, like, they paid him. To, like, probably produce, be a road agent. To, like, possibly. Uh, yeah. And, uh, say, so, like, I think... Like Vampiro is technically a former WCW champ, isn't he? Like, didn't didn't the Dark Carnival hold the tag titles? Yeah, but I think the crowd was expecting okay. a world champion. Uh, uh, yeah. And 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 also like I, I Vampiro I, was I, already there before. Like, but I do I do appreciate him challenging just to random cage matches, just because it's always great when wrestlers go into business for themselves and and challenge guys to matches where they either are not going to happen or physically can't happen. Uh, one of my favorites was an indie show locally. Like when am I, like when I first broke in uh, a uh, great wrestler known as sick Rick matrix uh, challenged someone to a 15 foot high steel cage match in a venue with 12 foot high ceilings. <laughs> Needless to say, the next show did not have a cage match. Yeah. Can't make that work. Um, uh, another another note uh, on this uh, January 21st uh, Observer. CZW returned to the ECW Arena on January 1st after a turnaway crowd last time. Drew 600 this time. Some blame it on the Zandig versus Glenn Osborne match being a weak main event. Oh, wow. Go figure. There's uh, <laughs> others on that five-hour show that ended so late last time and others uh, on competing sporting events in the city. Messiah... Formerly of XBW was the mystery opponent for CDW champ Justice Payne in the main event, and they were said to have a good match. That's what people forget. Messiah was honestly the first crossover guy. He was the first because yeah. everybody was in their death match bubble. CCW guys, IW Mid South guys, and then uh, well, granted he was guys. granted Messiah was fired from XPW, yes. but like, but he was like the first major name that jumped yeah. basically. Like, whoa, what is he doing there? All the way from California too. So. But did the fan like? Oh, he. Dave said he had a good match. Like, did the crowd even know him and care? I think. I mean, they're they're internet fans. Crowd, like, they would they yeah. would know him, but like that crowd's deathmatch wrestling crowds. I'm sure they know the XBW guys. They know of them, of or do you, them. Yeah, okay? 
Yeah, like how much did that actually get out? They're probably buying the DVDs. And Messiah's all over those. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm not giving South Philly fans enough credit, I guess. Just ECW fans, like, they knew. They knew of all of the names back in the 90s with ECW. Like, they knew Malenko. They knew Guerrero. They knew Benoit. So they, a good amount of them were tape traders. So, yeah, I, I could see Messiah getting a reaction. Uh, on uh, January 28, 2002, uh, from The Observer, there's a report from last week. New Jack went through eight tables. An next your show was incorrect. The stunt aired on TV over the weekend. The report was... Uh, we got was a, it was a very bad looking spot. He climbed over the rail while Grimes stood there watching him. He basically jumped off. There were four tables underneath, stacked in sets of two. Uh, he hit the he hit the top table feet first, and it broke. He missed the second table completely, so he actually went through one table. Is this the spot that gets him to really hate Vic Grimes? No, that was an ECW spot. Okay, so but this just happening is probably just layering into what he's about to do. I believe, yeah, I believe like he was, he already hated Vic Grimes, so he was building up to like getting his comeback. But no, the, the spot you're, the spot you're thinking of was ECW, uh, jumping off of a backboard. It was jumping off a balcony where like Vic didn't want to go. 35 feet one, right? Yeah. Vic didn't want to go, so New Jack yanked him and ran with him and, and Vic landed on his head. On New Jack's head. Uh, we also have, I have a note here, uh, February 2002, the PBS show Frontline on February 7th did a segment on the porn industry and interviewed Rob Black and Lizzie Borden, who run XPW. All the wrestling was never brought up or mentioned other than Black wearing an Austin t-shirt, <laughs> and you could see all the gig marks in his forehead. The PBS crew actually uh, walked off during the filming of some of their stuff. PBS said that Black and Borden were going to be the people who were going to cause the eventual downfall of the porn industry because their stuff is so crazy. And with Clinton out of the White House, the government is no longer going to let the industry slide. Um, why wouldn't he wear an XPW shirt? <laughs> why is he not mentioning XPW? He didn't do it on The Daily Show. He's not doing it here on Frontline. Like, what is he doing? Like, even if they just said Rob Black, owner of XP, they don't have to talk about the product. I mean, he might, for all we know, he might have, and it might have been edited out. Because they don't want to, maybe, maybe like all these TV series, all these TV shows that are doing hit pieces on them are, uh, are uh, just trying to focus on the porn because they don't want to tackle the wrestling thing. But it is kind of, kind of odd that none of them mention that. And that, like, I say it's a hit hit piece. Like, I'm not saying Rob Black was a squeaky clean businessman here running a family friendly co- corporation, but a lot of this stuff just comes off as, as we've mentioned last month's show. A lot of it comes off unfair, unfairly towards him, with a lot of a lot of stuff with how the porn industry has evolved into what it is now, and what he. W- what he was being called for outrage, what people going after him for, and what is deemed acceptable now. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, I mean, back then, and it, and you, and you got to look at the time too. It is two thousand two. George Bush was trying to do a lot of the family first, like clean up, like a little more of a censorship, like you know, and uh, it they were looking for villains. You know, and, and it, a lot a lot of things changed because MTV in the late '90s was getting away with a lot of shit. 
Uh, and in the early 2000s, shortly after 9-11, like everything changed and everything was getting cleaned up and just everywhere in mass media and pushing the limit, pushing the envelope. A lot of people think like WWE voluntarily made a change. They they did, but it was more of the Attitude Era stuff wasn't going to be acceptable going forward. And just not that, just in all forms of media. Like music kind of cleaned up and gotten a little more more mass media friendly in the early 2000s. You didn't see that much uh, R-rated movies coming out in that, that era in the early 2000s. Like it was more accepted, more family friendly type of uh type of content. Uh so uh so, so yeah, so you know, he appears on Frontline wearing an Austin shirt. Never brings up XBW or at least they edit it out. Which Austin shirt was obviously not an Austin three sixteen shirt. Maybe it was the the one with Austin with uh with rattlesnakes his arms as he's raising his arms in the air. That I'm really gonna hope s- it's at. skip a tiny bit ahead here uh, to know a note in February 25th, 2002, and then we'll go back to the actual show that happened on February 23rd. But February uh, 25th, 2002, Evan Courageous debuted on XPW TV, and they're pushing him like a big star. And that was it for him. I think, <laughs> that, really, he, he was a guy that never, ever got an opportunity anywhere else. Like, I don't know if he retired for a little bit of Napa. Like, he didn't, he never popped up on TNA. Think about that. Evan Courageous never appeared for TNA. He wasn't good, though. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, all the guys that, in that time period that were, like, that popped up, like, you know what I mean? Mike Sanders, Lenny Lane, Lodi, uh, Kiwi, they all popped up. Like. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 so, the, the XPW is the, the, the biggest promotion that that uh, Evan Courageous worked for other than uh, WCW. Um, and and that, that's pretty much how how he ended his career. Um, so now it's time to talk about. Uh, oh, oh wait, he did do uh, AWA Superstars of Wrestling in two thousand two. Well, the Del Gagner would tell you that. Yeah, he did work for Del Gagner. Yes. So 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 that's actually the second big. Maybe, no, that's that's the biggest fad. Yeah, yeah, AWA yeah, is bigger than WWE. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yeah. Allegedly, allegedly, if you ask Dell, you know he would say that's the biggest fad. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get fact-checked by, by Dale Illustrious Gangers. Illustrious Johnny Stewart. Yeah, I don't think Johnny Stewart's going to fact-check. I don't think he's listening to this episode. Um, but, uh, yeah, but, by the way, yeah, Illustrious Johnny Stewart reached out to us. I wanted to set the story straight on Dale Gangner. We're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, um, yeah, so it's XPW Freefall. You ready for this, Ash? Uh, and this is probably... What an- all the commotion name. behind this is how we're going to probably end the show here on part two. But uh, February 23rd, 2002, XPW Freefall event at the Grand Olympic Auditorium in Los Angeles, California. Vinny Massaro, great Twitter follower, by the way. Vinny Massaro <laughs> defeated uh, Scott Snott. Uh, Psychosis defeated Evan Courageous, who was with Clevin Kleinrock and Preston Ascot III. We got D uh, defeating Pogo the Clown in an XPW television uh, title gauntlet. Chaos with GQ Money and Veronica Kane defeated Angel. Chris Hamrick and Masawa. Huvatu Guerrero defeats Moscow de la Merced uh, in a lumberjack buck naked match. Was <laughs> he boarded? <laughs> defeats Veronica Kane. Uh, Monkey defeats Steve Rosano. Uh, XBW World Heavyweight title Johnny Webb defeats GQ Money. 
Uh, XBW King of the Deathmatch title. Su- the Sandman defeats Supreme to be King of the Deathmatches. And then in the free fall, New Jack defeats Vic Grimes. And yes, folks, it's that incident. It's the incident that was talked about on Dark Side of the Ring. It's the incident that is all over YouTube where Vic Grimes falls all the way from a scaffold through dozens of tables, it looks like. But he falls on the outside and hurts himself. He hits the ropes and bounces back into the ring. Yep. And very gruesome incident. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's all over YouTube if you want to watch it. Uh, We're going to go to... I mean, it's shown on Dark Side of the Ring, obviously. And a lot of it was on there. All we're, we're going to do is just uh, just read through. We're going to go through uh, Dave's notes and then yeah. kind of like, and then just our thoughts and stuff on it. So uh, so here's from March 4th, 2002 Observer. Vic Grimes took the insane bump of all time at the free fall event put on by XPW on February 23rd at the Olympic Auditorium before 1,500 fans. They built it as a 40-foot scaffold match. Whatever the true height was, it was said to be as twice as high as the bump Mick Foley took in the Hell in a Cell match and much higher than the balcony at the Olympics. So it's pretty damn high. They had tons of tables on the platform, either three or four sets stacked four high to break Grimes' fall. But he was overshot by New Jack, his opponent, perhaps on purpose. New Jack said, yes, he did. He was really nervous backstage uh, before doing the stunt. New Jack hip-tossed him, but he hit an angle, breaking two tables before landing in the corner of the ring at the turnbuckles and flipping back into the ring, almost like a split-legged moonsault. The match didn't start until after 12.40 in the morning because the show went on forever. The ring announcer, Ron Head, was screaming for people to leave the building, given the idea that Grimm's life was in danger to the fans as they left. Grimes, Grimes didn't move until the fans in real, uh, left. In reality, while very bruised up, he was walking around backstage. Grimes is very lucky not to have been hurt worse. Grimes had been planning on taking an insane bump, but this one wasn't planned. When Grimes first arrived at the building, the scaffold was already set up. Grimes climbed up the scaffold, looked down, and recognized he was in trouble because the ring was out of position. He moved the ring f- five feet by going in, uh, or he moved the ring by five feet by going to the ring and running the ropes and moving it that way. Why just get a couple guys? <laughs> um, do it. Uh, it, it. If he hadn't had done it, done that, there's no question he would have died. Taking the bump uh, as he hit the floor, he was actually. Uh, he actually should have moved. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, just, there's so much here. He actually should have moved it three or four more feet because hitting the ropes uh, shows just how little the margin of error was. The crowd didn't pop at all for the bump because they were so shocked. The tables were not only stacked up, but taped together to make sure that they wouldn't tumble when he hit them. He was even working the uh, the para- pandemic. Uh, sorry, para- paramedics uh, when they came. Let's see here. Oh, I just got this out of order here. Hold on. A Hold on. We're, we're back. Yeah, we'll go back. There's so much here. Like when Dave like talks about this stuff in such detail. Um, yeah, I actually uh, I accidentally copied and pasted something here. Uh, <laughs> But let's see, he was working the paramedics. Hit back. Hit the undo button. Oh, that would work, right? Let's see here. All right. Now it's making me go all the way back here. All right. So 
Sorry for the technical difficulties, folks. Damn it, Carlo. We we just this is a very wordy thing. Well, anyways, he was work he 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 was working the paramedics uh paramedics on the show um and then uh he, there was a match that even where somebody was stripped by naked. Well, just at the moment that was supposed to happen, the lights went out and they rushed came backstage. Uh, the fans were upset. That there was a fear of a riot not following on the strip. Uh, there was also a lot of fans upset about the Sandman heel turn that didn't get over the way it was supposed to. Uh, Shane Douglas, whose time warrant contract expires on April 17th, uh, is at the point that he's scheduled to take over as the booker of XPW. Most likely, the really crazy stuff will be toned down to that point. So basically, he's really hurt in bad shape, but he's trying to you know make the paramedics think it's not bad. Uh, but the, they, they're, none of the girls actually stripped of the buck naked match, and that already made the fans mad. Like, and then they have this, and Sam, they don't want to see Sandman as a heel. Like, there's so much going on here. Um, thoughts? Um, I know it. Dave didn't mention, but I think it's been mentioned before. Um, previously, uh, I think at least like I think uh, between the sheets, I also like broke this down once and and mentioned too how that the way Grimes fell was similar to like Owen's fall. So it's kind of, it was it's kind of hard to watch knowing that, because Owen like when he fell he hit the ropes too. So it was more, it it knowing that it's hard to watch that, and yeah he hit the ropes he hit it more with his legs and it bounced back in the ring. But it's just, it it wasn't it wasn't needed. Obviously like New Jack loved it because he can get his he can get his payback. Yeah, it. I mean, the it's also had over a million views on YouTube through all the things. It, it, it's like I so say, it's one of those things that you see. I even think they might have spliced it in, you know, 101 Reasons Not to Be a Pro Wrestler. But, uh, you know, say what you want about New Jack, good or bad. Like, there's there's a point where maybe revenge is just just a little little too much. A little too much there, uh, and you, you could definitely uh, see it there. Uh, it, it, you know, new. It was also they, they you know, from the reserve to they built it as a loser to retire. Uh, new Jack is around telling people he was going to retire, although still taking bookings because uh, a doctor's orders to to get it over. Um, you know, he he maybe went to business for himself on this <laughs> on that, or told him you know I'm. You know, I'm going to win this. Um, and the, and the, the show was, you know, largely built around the bump and the match. And, you know, it's we talked about that that incident with, you know, we already talked about a couple of instances where we think the fans kind of like got turned away. And I think this pretty much put the nail in the coffin. Like, you know, you're really, really hardcore crowd that didn't that expected two women to get naked and they didn't. And then now you have. uh you have this this basically almost murdered a man <laughs> on TV. So, um, but yeah. So, any other thoughts on that? Uh, nope. I don't think anything else that hasn't much already covered all, yeah, covered been all said. That. Like I, I, I fixed the notes by the way. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, anything else is pretty much already covered on Dark Side yeah. of the Ring on that too. It's kind of a dark point in xpw's history and 
than wrestling in general. And yeah, just do just says yeah. So that point where I got bum, bumbled on because of uh, Google Drive, and I apologize. He was even working the par- paramedics when they came to check on him. He laid there until fans left the building. Which I mean, that's but I guess he was he obviously wasn't as hurt as they expected him to be. But if I were him and you see fans like not popping, maybe you should tell him you're okay. Yeah, it's like at a, at a football game. Raise like, raise yeah. your raise your arm. Yeah, yeah. you know, like, I. That kind of goes along with like, something that has always been a pet peeve of mine as a referee on the indie scene, where uh, the general the general spot for referee referee gets bumped because it's always been done this way. So everyone believes this is how it should be done. A referee gets bumped, and he's supposedly knocked unconscious. Nobody's coming to check on him, and it's like the refs down for like thirty seconds, a minute, and then slowly goes like if if I'm watching the NFL and a, and a, and a referee gets hit, the play is going to stop and people, they're going to check on that referee, but wrestling, like it's just, and it, it's just absurd when you think about it. And it's even with wrestling talent now, like with UFC, if someone's in a chokehold, a UFC referee is not going to check the arm three times. Yeah. So, that's why, like personally, I think like the the three arms checking the arm three times in pro wrestling should be it's, abolished in wrestling. Yeah, it's because of that. It's so, and then sometimes the guys forget to raise their arm and it puts the ref in a very awkward position. Well, that's Coco Beware story for another day. But but uh, but me too. I've had that happen too. As a but referee. but but that goes along with this whole thing of a guy taking a bad bump and he's down there and people are just gonna like refs just check it on him and the guys like if that's if the guy's legit knocked out you would have legit. Uh, EMTs checking on him, and if he can't breathe, they'll be doing, uh, they'll be doing CPR, and they'll immediately get him out of that building. They're not going to let him sit there for like twenty minutes, lay there for twenty minutes. Exactly. I think, like that's the weird type of thing where they should have immediately got him out of the ring. And then you know the ring announcer trying to get people out of the building have New Jack do it, like tell New Jack, you know what I mean? New Jack just threw him off the scaffold, and be like, I told you don't mess with me, and then. And I'm sure nobody wants a part of me, so get out of this building. Or whatever. But <laughs> people will listen to New Jack. Yes. Or if were... New Jack says, let's go outside and we'll drink in the parking lot. Like, yeah, everyone's going like, to follow. Yeah. Like, you know, it's that that's what they, they should have done on that. Um, so, yeah. So, with uh, with all that, we've we've wrapped up another wonderful part of XBW. Uh, to recap what's happened here, we have had um, – the loss it he ran for mayor of Los Angeles, uh, going trying just to barely race. made it, just barely, <laughs> just barely lost. Uh, yeah, yeah, just barely. Uh, he he lost his TV deal. He becomes an active wrestler, wrestling on the shows. Messiah gets fired. We've had Conan and Vampiro and Insane Clown Posse and Shane Douglas is coming in as the Booker, and then we have the free fall, and we have Buck Naked matches. <laughs> And so it's a, it's a good point of like this is I don't want to say the end, like an end of an era in XPW but obviously like Shane Douglas coming in and it's kind of the the company takes a slightly different turn at this point going forward which will yeah hit more on our part which, three that will be, and that will be the last part it looks like yeah part three uh, well well maybe there's well, still twenty pages you realize there's twenty pages in that. Well, XPW is pretty much uh, their time running shows are almost done, but there's still 20 pages of more of. So maybe it'll be four parts. <laughs> so. There's, yeah, 
XPW uh, doesn't leave the headlines for several years after even no even running the last show. No, they don't. We got a lot of fun stuff uh, to talk about there. Uh, once again, I want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, so th- this episode is actually going to drop, uh, looks like, to be uh, April 21st on a Wednesday. So this will be your first listening to it. Um, and then we will uh, maybe get out the last, well, part three. Maybe not the last part, part three early in May. But you can check us out on social media. Um, first off, you can go to uh, Twitter at RTI Pod, Rediscovering the Indies on Facebook, as well as uh, Instagram. Um, we've been putting this day in independent wrestling history on there every day. All sorts of uh, different uh, facts, title changes, uh, and whatnot uh, that are on there. So definitely check out the social media for that. Um, we, uh, you can of course go to the BSCVP Radio Network and uh, you know check out all the other great podcasts on the network as well. Uh, Ash, you have anything to plug? Uh, social media, just Twitter, Ref Ash, R-E-F-A-S-H-E. I don't tweet a lot, but I do. I, I'm on there. I'm I'm scrolling through my feed a lot. And uh, we actually can promote a show April 23rd. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we can promote a show. <laughs> we have an upcoming booking. <laughs> April 23rd, uh, Northern Federation of Wrestling uh, actually running at the – Famous Monster Factory uh, in New Jersey. Uh, we'll be there uh, doing some backstage stuff, interviewing and producing and whatnot. So uh, the the uh, ESW play by play man, the Messina bad boy Cody Jenny, yes. putting on the show. Yeah, Cody Jenny putting on the show. So uh, and going I down be- to help out our friends. I believe they're going to put the whole show on YouTube on November third. I'm mean, November I'm stuck in November on uh, April thirtieth. So uh, th- so that will all be on YouTube April thirtieth. If you can't be there, and I think there's like eighteen tickets as. Uh, uh, and this was as of Saturday morning on the, uh, uh, what's today's date? The 17th? Yeah, 17th, yeah. Ah, Sat- so. yeah. Yeah, Saturday morning, 17th here. There's about 18 tickets left. So if you're listening to this, try to get tickets. If you're in the New Jersey, uh, Tri-Cities area. Um, and uh, just a side note, I'm fully vaccinated. You're going to be fully vaccinated in three hours. Yeah. Not even, not even, not, but an hour and a half. So uh, I've... Both of us have taken an uh, extended break from indie shows uh, for the betterment of ourselves and for the peop- the personal people in our lives So uh, to avoid uh, to avoid catching anything. So now that we're fully vaccinated, we're going to start getting out there a little bit more. Yeah, if you need one of the best production men out there, he's also a great referee. You know, I'll bring it out so we can do backstage interviews, play-by-play commentary. Uh, and uh, together, we help time management on shows very well um <laughs> yeah but uh yeah so uh my plugs uh chris gallo on twitter instagram and facebook just chris gallo i'm also listening to wrestlenomics i'm on that weekly now with brandon thurston uh where we break down the business of professional wrestling so uh usually episodes have been dropping on mondays got anything uh, else to plug ash no brandon thurston's good people yeah, want to plug your social your social media i already did oh. i said twitter i don't don't friend request me on Facebook because I treat that more personal, a personal thing. So I, I probably won't. Yeah, I probably won't know you, but yeah. So, all right. With that being said, I want to thank you guys for listening to XPW Part Two, and we're going to be back with XPW Part Three uh, in, in May. Uh, so, with that, uh, thank you guys for listening and supporting.